0: Hello, Bitcoin land. Today is Friday, December 22nd, and we've got episode 66 of Block Digest for you, coming to you at block height 500,612. So let's dive right into the holy fucking mind blowing shit storm that's just Jesus Christ. Ah. So for those who haven't seen uh, the news flying around everywhere, here is a Coinbase address that has 203 um, Bitcoin stored on it and a million plus outputs. Now I did some very, very, very rough napkin math on this. And assuming a figure uh, of say hundred bytes per input, which is, it's a little conservative, it's kind of rounding it down a little bit. In the current fee market where you have a a fee level that is pretty much equal to the block subsidy, it would cost 1000 Bitcoin to spend this 200 Bitcoin. So that's a factor of five times the actual amount in that address to move it on chain w- with the amount of data it would take and even if you take advantage of a, a neat little trick that um no um pointed out in one of the threads following this that would pretty much spend it as in an anybody can spend directly to miners fees if you could get a miner to kind of just um not be a dick and steal it It would have no signature data, which is roughly 60% of most um, transaction input sizes. That would reduce the, the size of that by 60%, which would still roughly be around 400 Bitcoin to spend this. So even going all out, finding a way to strip out the signature data, getting a miner to do this without stealing these coins, it would still cost twice the actual value in the address to spend these. Now, if this is not just an isolated incident with a few addresses that they've kind of been not paying attention to, if, if a large chunk of their coins are are stored in this manner, Coinbase is fucked. Like th- This would pretty much be equivalent to them being insolvent. And if they do have a large chunk of their coins stored like this, and this is not an isolated incident, this is one of the most mind-boggling, unexplainable fuck-ups in this entire space. Like, I, I, I am not aware of a single large business that does not regularly consolidate the UTXOs. I mean, like, um, like I pointed out last week, BitPay actually explicitly acknowledges this as a cost that they pass on to their users because it's something that they have to do. Other large exchanges like Bitfinex do this regularly. Poloniex does this regularly. A single one-man gambling business, if you know what Bustabit is, does this regularly. If a large fraction of Coinbase's coins have not had their UTXOs consolidated and are just dust outputs like this, They have pretty much destroyed their business like completely and utterly and most of the coins that they hold in these addresses are not actually economically deliverable to their customers if they so choose to demand them withdrawn from Coinbase and put in their own control. So... Yeah, I mean, we've got a few things in the links um, you can read. um, A post by Jamison Lop on how to manage the the outputs in in your wallets. Um, This other decision tree as an individual user to kind of help you cost minimize um, the the fees for condensing your own outputs. And yeah, I mean, before before we jump in, I've kind of just got the rant out of my system.
1: yeah if you go back uh, quickly to jameson lop's article if you notice the date on it it's february 2015. he's been warning people about this for over two years guys so coinbase if you haven't taken notice of this and why it's necessary maybe you should have paid attention back back uh in the day when you know fees were actually low but no, you probably looked at this and you thought, eh, fees are low. We don't have to do this. Who cares? There's going to be no consequences. Fast forward to 2017. That's a bit of a problem, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, this is, like, I mean, like go ahead, Rick. I'm just going to just say Jesus Christ and holy shit. And- <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: No, I mean, like, it, it's similarly, like, I was going to say the same. I mean, it's just, uh, it's ridiculous, you know, right on the heels of this uh, Bcash uh, launch on Coinbase. And you see that this is the way that they're handling their Bitcoin, you know, and behind the scenes. And uh, yeah, it's really upset. It's upsetting. It's like uh, someone who lives in the United States that this is our go to guys as our exchange. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's really aggravating and upsetting. And I, I hope that, uh, you know coinbase will do something to make a move to settle the market sentiment with that exchange like getting rid of brian armstrong and um maybe hiring some new engineers to try and manage this situation because if the number one exchange in the united states that uh, operates here in the u.s for most of the customers in the united states is insolvent and uh that's a big big problem like uh it's it's something where i've already seen like multiple ideas tossed around as far as like are they going to launch a token or or uh, are they gonna you know maybe put this burden this cost burden on their customers and you know maybe set a fee or something to try and manage the situation because it's really one of those where it's just like if you didn't manage your bitcoin technically to where you have All these utxos somewhere where you could actually spend them then yeah it's you really screwed yourself and yeah that being the main exchange here in the united states it's just very aggravating and um you know we say it need more competitors and all that i mean like i've uh i've recently started getting my uh gemini exchange getting back access to that and uh to my bitstamp account because yeah this is just ridiculous i mean like I made a purchase on this uh on this move downward because you know, I'm buying the dips and now I'm like wondering if I'll even have access to that whenever it becomes available. So um we'll see how it goes. But it's certainly just a bigger shit show than ever at Coinbase or Conbase. It's it's really, really upsetting. Somebody that has to use go through them often.
3: Yeah, totally. I uh I definitely want to put in a plug plug for uh bisque. I think that's that's the way to go a good decentralized exchange that uh there is no middleman and uh i think you know what's interesting about this is that it's another it's another way that coinbase could screw you if you're letting them manage your bitcoin um you know we've already seen stuff like Mt. gox and tons of exchanges they just lose it or they claim they got hacked or they just go away for a nice trip or something right but this is interesting because it's just they can they can make your bitcoin useless just by not managing it right um and that's not something that a normal user is going to even have a real challenge with right like you're you're not going to have a tendency to create this kind of circumstance on your own so again just manage your own keys own your own bitcoin buy a hardware wallet
0: yeah i mean this is like this is just mind-boggling because like this this just shows the level of incompetence and the degree to which they assumed they could just continue externalizing the operating costs of their business pretty much um, ad infinitum uh, on their users. And like it, it, it's ridiculous. Like This is something that any responsible business in this space does as a matter of course of just operating their business. And I mean, if, if we really step back and think about this, I mean, the entire push for 2x the, the entire history of them like this year just rapidly arguing for bigger blocks and, and this, the shit that they just tried to pull with Bcash. I mean, it's just painting a picture of such like desperately pathetic incompetence that I just don't know what the hell to think at this point. I mean, like, is it really outside of the realm of reason that they honestly thought they could just kind of go? Bitcoin cash is Bitcoin now and, and just ignore the Bitcoin chain and pretend this isn't a problem. Pretend that they they don't owe their customers mm-hmm. the assets on the Bitcoin chain. And then it's just not a problem on the Bitcoin cash chain be, because they can just bloat the UTXO set forever. They, they don't have to worry about the cost of block space. And I mean, if, if that's the case, like that's just insane. like. If that was legitimately their business plan as a company that has taken venture capital money, they deserve to burn. And this is going to be one of the harshest lessons in the history of this entire space for people who invest their money in infrastructure and companies instead of just directly into Bitcoin. Like You do your homework or you will effectively be lighting your money on fire if you put it in the hands of idiots.
1: Yeah, one thing I want to show about that, if you could uh, get that link up that I just posted, it was um, written by Nopara um, just about half an hour ago. I th-
0: Did I just get the right window? Whoops. Or... Okay, there we go. There, Jenny?
2: Mike, now on us.
0: Uh oh, GCHQ
2: got her. Uh oh. It does look like no Parod did just release this right before we went on. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. But um, all
0: right. I guess um, until Janine gets back, I'll sorry, take a stab at this. Um, well, I guess uh, Chami and eCash banks uh, are kind of an old idea. Um, For anybody not familiar, it's kind of the idea of having a a centralized server that um, pretty much what it would do is have you generate a a private key, and then it would actually sign that key and kind of keep track of it in its own database. And you could kind of just pass that key off to somebody else, and they would redeem it with the, the the eCash bank who would then kind of delete that from their records, have the person you sent that key to generate their own key, which they would sign, and it's kind of like a, we destroy this and then issue them a new one. And in that way, it kind of functions like a bearer instrument, but, but not in the, in the conventional sense, where you can just kind of pass the same key around all the time. The paying would be I give you the key and you instantly redeem that and then have like the bank effectively notarize one for yourself so that you don't really have the issue of like keys being duplicated and pretty much um, recreating the entire double spend problem that uh, we obviously have the the blockchain and proof of work for it. Yeah, kind of just trying to free flow, hoping Janine comes back. I
2: uh, (laughs) haven't even seen and read this.
0: I mean, like, could this have
2: been something to help Coinbase avoid this problem with the accumulating dust?
0: Well, I mean, potentially, because if they'd been managing their their outputs and then condensing them periodically, like a model like this would kind of allow users to interact um, with other businesses and engage in commerce without Coinbase having to like create or destroy outputs or or manage anything on the chain. They would effectively be condensing their outputs optimally and then using these um, Chami and eCash keys as kind of like something directly backed by that. But um, you you, you hear Janine now? Yeah, your internet working?
1: Yeah, I'm back. So weirdly enough, I had a I had a Firefox um, instance open, and it almost crashed my computer. Thanks, Mozilla. You've done a great job recently. Ouch! Um, that, but um, I, I pretty like, much just
0: just ran through like a, a TLDR, what a Chompyne Cash Bank is. If you want to just uh, take it from there.
1: Yeah. Well, the 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 really the only because I didn't get a chance to fully read through the thing, but I liked that he had these three lines at the top. If you scroll down a little bit. Um, So, he distinguishes that, you know, the main problems, uh, at least with regards to Bitcoin, is that, um... Oops. Uh, custodial entities can inflate the money supply. They also have control over the funds of their customers. And they know, uh... They have significant information about their customers' activity. So, one of the things I want to point out with regards to that last point... This was something that I actually tweeted back in November, 2016. I'll send it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, I think it's important to recognize that when you're using these uh, exchanges, all of your activity is being tracked, and uh, in particular, Coinbase is one of the companies that uses browser fingerprinting. So, if you're not familiar with browser fingerprinting, it's actually a scarier thing. You've probably heard of cookies. You know, you want to block third-party cookies because they track you on the web. Well, browser finger fingerprinting is even worse because it not only uh, looks at your browser, it also tries to detect what operating system you're using, and uh, it looks at other other uh, characteristics of. Um, like basically how you're connecting to the site. Like uh, the the version of the browser you're using, your location, all, all kinds of things that, you know, it's a lot more intrusive than cookies. Uh, and Coinbase is one of the companies that uses browser fingerprinting. Now, I'm pretty sure that they're going to use the uh, anti-fraud excuse for why they do fingerprinting because that's always the excuse. But realize that, you know, if you're a Coinbase user, I mean, obviously, you know, to some extent you've already... Um, Docs yourself to them because you're you have if you want to be verified you have to give your name and everything But you're also giving a lot more information to them um, about yourself besides your name uh, You're giving like what operating system you're using and also what kind of computer you're using and all that kind of stuff So they're performing a significant amount of surveillance on you and I assume that uh, now that they're going to be <laughs> Now that they're going to be uh, giving a lot of data about um, activity to the irs soon Uh, i would be very curious to know whether they're going to be including any of this browser fingerprinting data that they've been collecting for years
2: just don't think it could get any worse and yeah now i need to go check lifelock make sure i'm all right (laughs) yeah that's
0: um that's definitely a worry i mean i mean like obviously we've kind of covered uh i believe before on the show the uh the issues with metadata when you're dealing with shopping carts and how that can be used to actually correlate different um, Bitcoin addresses with cookies stored in your browser and, and other um, pretty much side effects of just the inherent way that everything on the internet works. But yeah, that's that's definitely a big issue. But to kind of like just touch back on the, the Chami and eBanks real quick, um, you know, like I myself want something like Lightning Network. Or, or Tumblebit, something that is actually decentralized where I am entirely in control of the actual Bitcoin, whether it's through some second layer or the main chain itself. But in the case of people who are comfortable kind of making the trade off away from that kind of thing, I think that Chami and eBanks would be a good model for doing that because you would as an institution operating something like this, be able to audit the reserves of Bitcoin on the chain that you're actually backing these with. And the nature of how you pretty much have like the key um, functioning as a, an instantly redeemable note, you could actually have an audit trail that isn't really giving up any kind of information about users as to how many of these like private key notes are floating around, like when they're redeemed and new ones are issued so while it would it would be centralized in the fact that you could be locked out of it or you know it's it's not entirely permissionless it would be entirely um open and auditable so it would be a kind of model where people would instantly be able to know like hey these numbers aren't adding up like something funny is going on and i i really think this is something that should be kind of considered going forward because i mean you know, I'm not cool with making those kinds of trade-offs myself, but there are people who would be, and it's really not my decision to make for them. I, I'm going to make the decisions that I am with my own money, and in the same right that I'm going to do that, another person should be free to make the decisions of how they want to manage their money. And I, I think like the, the kind of nuance of these different kinds of trade-offs and models, especially when they're entirely opt-in is something people should be a little more open with discussing going forward over the next few years.
3: Yeah, I, I don't think it's a terrible idea. I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit more zen about the whole situation, in the sense that I know that we're excited about, you know, the wealth transfer from sort of the oligarchs and the inside men that are doing insider trading and printing money and preventing, uh, you know, the average guy from getting ahead and being able to actually have a savings account. but the other the other thing that that's happening with bitcoin is we're we're seeing value transfer from like stupid day traders, right? to people that are a little bit smarter. And I I kind of hate the idea that we're going to have to go through these centralized exchanges going down and then all of that money getting transferred to either some hacker or some corrupt ceo or something. But those guys are probably not going to damage the you know the price discovery mechanism as much as a bunch of monkeys in the system, just like freaking out and smashing buttons. So I, I don't know. I mean, I don't like it. I don't like to see people get ripped off. But man, if you've got your if you got a ton of money in Coinbase right now, you're you're as dangerous as anybody.
2: Yeah, you know, and hopefully it'll push towards like a more decentralized exchanges, like you're saying, like Bisc, and uh, it'll get more traffic that way. I mean, like, I know that this has driven me to where I'm like, I'm working double time to make sure that I have access to my Gemini account and my Bitstamp account because, you know, like, yeah, I mean, like, as these things fail, I mean, like, you go towards somewhere where, you know, those problems don't really exist. But, you know, as they, things continue, like, maybe we'll all start to move towards these decentralized exchanges and we'll get away from the centralized trouble because, you know, all this we're screaming up in the air about Coinbase right now, but just like two, three weeks ago, it was all Tether and and Bitfinex and the things going on behind the scenes there. And I mean, these exchanges and their custodial, you know, duties for their customers, you know, they have access to a lot of liquidity. And, you know, you can do something with that when it comes to making money. And, you know, as long as that situation's there, we're still going to have these people with a lot of keys. That are moving things around and making money and so as things start to break up it might get better so yeah it's rough going but it'll get better
1: yeah yeah me personally um i've never used any i've never used any custodial exchange so far and i don't i don't plan to at this point unless you know something arises where i desperately need to because like literally i'd have to be desperate to use these because honestly like a year ago i just didn't like the idea of giving my cryptocurrency to a custodian but after the past year let's just say you know after learning a bunch of things that i can't really talk about in public that just makes me even less enthusiastic about using any of these custodial exchanges Because let me tell you, they are all messed up. Every single one of them is messed up in some way. Some of them are messed up in greater degrees than others, but they are all messed up. So I am looking forward to um, trustless exchanges, uh, and also, you know, continuing to uh, for to encourage people to utilize things like local bitcoins, where it's you know entirely or as as offline as possible. And also things like open dime, which is also very offline, obviously. Uh yeah.
3: Yeah, if you've never bought Bitcoin through the if you're in the US and you've never bought Bitcoin through the postal service, you, you really should try it. Just buy like a hundred bucks worth just to have the experience. It's really you know, you can go out to localbitcoins.com, you can search for cash by mail. There's no chance somebody's gonna mug you or anything terrible like that, right? Because you're not even gonna be there in person. Worst case scenario: somebody that's done a thousand plus trades and has never ripped anybody off and has great reviews decides they're going to steal your hundred bucks. But you're not going to get stabbed, and uh, you're not going to have, you know, the your name in a list somewhere that's getting passed around um, of you know potential people that have a lot of Bitcoin and, and should be attacked, right? So it's it's just a good it's a good trade off. And yeah, you might spend ten percent more. Um, it's probably more like three or four percent though. So if you haven't done it, just do it once because it's a very refreshing experience.
2: Yeah, I yeah and
1: if it. I guess if I wanted if if I wanted to donate Bitcoin to the UPS, I would send it through the mail.
2: <laughs> yeah, I need to set <laughs> up a. I,
3: I no, you mail. send the cash through the mail. The Bitcoin, <laughs> you get the Bitcoin on the network. That's
2: what it's for.
1: I got you. Oh, okay. Well. Um, well, I, I just hope that, you know, Eric Voorhees has a very locked, you know, it's very locked down in terms of where he lives and things like that, because, you know, I don't want his mail to start getting stolen because now he's, um, he's pointed out to everyone that he apparently mails Bitcoin through UPS.
3: <laughs>
1: oh my wow.
0: What?
3: Oh, man. Oh, did that you guys was...
1: not see that? Did...
0: No.
3: Did you not see that tweet? It.
1: Oh, I have to get it here. Yeah. Just a second. I'll get it right now. I oh think him and God. Roger
3: were just, you know, they, they were drinking this... a little too much when he decided to tweet that up. Oh.
1: this whole time—that's what I thought you were referencing. It's like, oh, UPS, you read Eric for he's his tweet, and then you didn't. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> you have to see it then. i, don't know, I come that's, on Twitter.
0: That's, what's he using? Like uh, a paper wallet or an you know, open dime?
1: I have n- no idea.
3: Is this some? Is this some uh, nonsense about the fees being too high? Is that, is that is that what this is about? Uh,
1: why would you oh, think man. that? Why would you think that? Of <laughs>
3: this is is. the stupidest thing I've heard all day, and every stupid thing I've heard all day hey, is about hey. hey,
0: hey, 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 JW. Okay, okay, I, I I will give you that Eric Voorhees is probably doing it in a stupid fucking way. But I have actually been thinking about this for a little while, and. Pretty much my thought is if you have something like an open dime, just send the coins to it with a hash lock. And you could put it in the mail, you could tie it to a pigeon, you could give it to some courier to go run someplace. And if the dumbass tries to steal it, it's it's not fungible without the, the piece of data you used for the hash lock. They can break the seal, they they can they can take it, but yeah, hey you're not going to ever be able to get it off that open dime because you don't know what information was used for the hash lock
1: Oh, so give like it to it.
0: somebody and sell it. They can see if they check it and in not to do that it's hash locked and the guy doesn't have the, the piece of data. So you could actually secure something like that, but I, I don't think Eric Voorhees is that smart.
3: No, I mean, you're right. Like what is, what does it cost to send an envelope? Like, 25 cents or 75 cents or whatever it is now um, so you could do that and it you know it'd take a few days but the fees aren't that bad right like if you if you can spend a few days you could probably get a like a one satoshi per bite transaction And and we got to remember that the only reason fees are so high right now is that there's like an unusual spike of demand right so if you're not trying to like only buy out of you know just crazy fear um, or sell out of crazy fear you're not transacting right now anyway right and uh, and if you are, then you know just just uh, disguise yourself as spam and put in a transaction that's like a one satoshi per byte because the miners have been trying to screw things up by including low fee transactions in the block and ignoring <laughs> higher fee transactions. So it's you know you have to game it a little bit. And when these guys are playing games and are mining empty blocks and doing other bullshit, you know they can slow down the network, right? It's just part of the thing. But every time they do that, they get a little bit poorer. And I think that's the best we can hope for.
0: Yeah, but it's, you know, I I just kind of like to show people, you know, it's like you can think outside of the box because I mean, like imagine like some really, really remote village in like a a mountaintop in Colombia where people are just dirt poor. They have like some old computer that could barely run a node. Well, hey, if they can get a satellite dish to that and get a copy of the blockchain, well, they, they don't need to pay for a satellite uplink. They don't need to try to find some way to get internet coverage up to this mountaintop in the middle of nowhere because with, with that satellite link and the, what I just described with an open dime, you can move money through that and you can actually validate it and, and you can make it theft proof to, to move it like that. There, you just yeah, got to like think that. outside the box and there, there is a way to fit Bitcoin into any niche out there. People just need to stop focusing on a stupid variable and acting like putting everything in a data center is how to fix the problems. This is like just get inventive. there, There is literally nothing but your imagination limiting what you can do with Bitcoin.
2: Yeah. I mean, like it's it's funny to me too, like how this whole situation with Coinbase was kind of like, you know, them causing this trouble with the whole rising of the fees and, you know, not implementing SegWit. And uh, yeah, I mean, like this also like what, going back to what JW was saying about like how, you know, you just kind of have to game it a little bit. And, you know, that's something where I feel like a lot of people, they think Bitcoin supposed to behave the way that they have performed with currencies in the past. And it's like, no, this is like a learning process. And sometimes, you know, you might not, necessarily be able to move that amount you know or you might try to do like what you know jw saying like just put in a low fee and see if a minor will include it in a block there's there's things that you can do to get around this high fee problem you know you could just wait a little while till the fees go down but you know i understand it's like a problem for you know fungibility but i mean like it's just the way i see that system is like This is the way we have to work with Bitcoin right now. I mean, like once SegWit's fully implemented and and everybody's running on these addresses and and fees are low and we know they're going to be low, then, then, you know, we could start talking about maybe working it a different way. But for right now, this is the way we work with Bitcoin.
3: Yeah, we got to think of it as like beta software, right? This stuff is not, we're not ready to support all the transactions in the world. Nobody, you know, increasing the block size to a terabyte, I don't even think if we could do that, which obviously we can't, I don't even think that that would be enough for every single person in the world to be making several transactions a day. So we're, you know, we're this is really, really early days. It took a long time before the internet could do streaming video. So let's be a little bit patient with it. You know, we're still gonna have to hack our way through for a few more years, but, um, But the technology gets better every day we've got like a brilliant roadmap that solves all the problems that i'm even aware of right now that's that's pretty amazing but we shouldn't expect it to be here right now Mm
1: -hmm. in the uh, meantime in the meantime actually use wallets who are good at fee estimation and use hardware wallets and and especially learn about the little Uh, little hacks you can do with exchanges like with coinbase where you can send transactions to i guess emails you can put someone's email in instead of a transact or address and they do like an internal transaction which isn't an actual wasn't which isn't actually a transaction and so you don't have to pay the fee so think of things like that first before because like I, you know, I've used hardware wallets. The I think the one in the decision tree that was recommended was Green Address. Like the people using these wallets don't really have a hard time with fees. Like they have gone up. Obviously, they've gone up for everyone, but not nearly as much as Eric Voorhees is saying with like forty dollars or four thousand dollars. Apparently, he paid a four thousand dollar fee, uh, <laughs> for um fifteen bitcoin. That seems a bit much.
0: Yeah, that, that's not like there were probably hundreds and hundreds of inputs in there or something stupid. It was a totally average transaction that your normal holder would make on a regular you basis. Know, you know, it's funny.
3: I guarantee you there was a one Satoshi per byte transaction in his $4,000 block. You know, wherever that transaction is, if you look, there's going to be some really tiny buggers that slid through there. He just didn't take the time to do it.
1: And I bet most of them weren't Segwit either. <laughs>
3: Yeah, totally. I mean, you you can still get, like right now, if you do a transaction and you put it at 50 cents and you're willing to
0: wait a few days, I almost guarantee it's going to be through. Mm -hmm. And uh, to kind of slide along uh, from fees, but still shit on uh, Coinbase a little bit. Um, So here's a tweet from Mike Johnson, um, somebody from uh, CoinFire. It's a Bitcoin news site. Um, They do reviews, editorials, cover the news. Um, He's claiming to literally be holding in his hand as he typed this an SEC memo showing um, proof that there was insider knowledge used to trade with the the Bcash situation and that a Coinbase employee actually went to the SEC with proof of this. So I mean like Jesus, like I just gotta say guys with like all this Tether fud and everybody fucking freaking out about Bitfinex imploding like left field motherfuckers no coinbase is fucked. coinbase is so fucked.
2: <laughs> yeah that, you know i mean like it's you know it's still speculation or whatever but i mean like i mean we can it's not speculation that the way that bch was launched and we know that there's employees that definitely had some information about this and you know i mean it's not that much speculation to think one of them thought it was wrong and went to the sec and now this guy's holding a letter from him, a memo talking about how Coinbase and Brian Armstrong are in some deep woods. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's speculation at this point, but it wouldn't surprise me that much at all. Yeah, I- What
3: is yeah, that guy? I, I, always I, about uh, it was Bernie Madoff? He made the one mistake you're not allowed to make. He stole from the rich. I, I love that this is happening after the CME is on board, right? Because now there's there's motivation
1: yeah and I think because i I did read that fret that thread briefly before we came on the show, and um he alluded to apparently he's done these kinds of things in the past where he um comes out with you know scandalous information like this, or he has he's talked to a source that has um insider information about it, and he says he's gotten burned a lot of times before and that his his life has been threatened or he's gotten stuff in the mail uh dangerous stuff in the mail so i haven't looked into that i haven't act. i've i've never seen him before so i can't any of his claims um but honestly like like i said none of this would surprise me because i mean it's it's just it's so it's so obvious that something went wrong like there was there was there's no other explanation for how you know you had that much volume trading into bitcoin cash right before that announcement conveniently before that announcement that was secret um that was completely diverting from the roadmap that they released or at least it it wasn't reflected in the roadmap like something is going on here um and i don't i don't want to i don't want to be the bitfinex of coinbase um although in this case <laughs> uh, there's actual evidence with coinbase you know charting stuff and uh, <laughs> you know actual events um, <laughs> in terms of market manipulation that we can plainly see. Ah, uh, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I have
3: to. <laughs> uh, but I was I was uh, really pissed off at Coinbase for about a week before this happened. Particularly pissed off at them. So I, I'm I'm just enjoying it. I would be happy to be the bit the next of Coinbase at this point.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would actually enjoy it. I would go so. I also. Say
1: i also find it kind of rich because you know like i said i know things about exchanges that i can't talk about and um it was just so frustrating to know that all of that stuff was happening like other related things were happening at exchanges um but they were all being silent while bitfax was uh, getting torn apart which i would i would completely agree some of it was justified but all of you exchanges out there being silent uh that's not going to work for very long. I'm sorry, it's not going to work uh, because your silence won't save you. You might as well just come out now.
3: Yeah, I think they, you know, even even before all this happened, they had built so much ill will with the Bitcoin community, right? Like by supporting Bitcoin XT, Bitcoin Unlimited, SegWit so 2x like it 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 was definitely there was a lot of dry tinder ready to go off when these guys screwed something up i mean i don't think any of us expected it to be this big of a screw up but uh but yeah you can't you can't really piss on your users for a really long time and just enrage everybody that has any understanding of what's going on in bitcoin and uh and expect them not to kind of celebrate when uh when you screw up this
0: big Mm -hmm. And I mean, uh, Rick Penderson in the chat just uh, said that this is making Yobit sound safe. They are. (laughs) I I started shitcoin trading around three years ago after my first year in the space. And uh, I completely forgot about my Yobit account. Left it sitting there for three years. And when I remembered about it, checked up, all my shitcoins were there. Uh, the little bit of Bitcoin I had was still there. They'd given me my Bitcoin cash and my Bitcoin gold, and I was able to convert all of this to Bitcoin and pull it off with no problems. So, um, yeah, objectively saying, I would have to agree, Rick. One of the biggest shitcoin exchanges in, in this ecosystem is uh, safer than Coinbase.
1: Yeah. For 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 me, the biggest like the uh, the tweet that I've been I've kept sharing over and over again because you know it just keeps uh, getting proved uh, as a good prediction was uh, the fact that you know I I committed back in I think it was June not to use Coinbase ever and the reason I said that was because that was when um, Catherine Hahn, the uh, federal prosecutor who is not involved in the first Silk Road case with Ross Ulbricht. Uh, she was involved in the second one with uh the second like silk road 2.0 she was the prosecutor for that um that was a red flag for me when she joined coinbase uh you know that was still within the period of time where they were being investigated by the rs like i'm sorry does anyone not see that that was a giant red flag to the fact that you know some coinbase had had been compromised at that point like to me that was a signal like get out
3: Well, it, it definitely wasn't a signal that they're like super technically competent and they're just, just uh, you know, working to make Bitcoin great. Uh, that that definitely wasn't, uh, wasn't how I think anybody read that.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Man, this, like, uh, this has been something where I've been hearing some people in the mumble, you know, where it's like super exciting and to where I've kind of like, it's like a replay, it's like a flashback, but there's just so much light on this space right now. And, yeah, this, uh, I don't know, it's, these moves, like, uh, with all this insider trading and obvious, like, bucket shops being run, I think that those days are starting to get numbered. It's just, like, this light is, you know, like, a year ago, this could have happened, and I don't think the SEC really would have been mentioned that much. But uh, this year, it's, yeah, I it wouldn't be that surprising to hear that SEC is going to come knock in on Brian Armstrong's door. I uh, would love to be there for that.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: it's, uh, it's going to be uh, a weird
0: year. So, I mean, you know, I, I'm as libertarian leaning as most of the early guys in this space, but, you know, the thing at the end of the day, or two things actually at the end of the day, a lot of libertarians and anarchists in, in this space need to kind of make peace with is one, Disagreeing with it doesn't make government stop existing there. There's still things in the world that have the ability to exercise force to enforce things that you have to deal with. And two, in a strictly voluntary sense, you try to find your ways to opt out of things you don't agree with all you want, but you can't tell other people who, who choose to opt into these things that they're not allowed to do that. And I mean, Philosophically speaking, that, that's kind of a double-edged sword. That I, 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 It's not going to be the exact kind of uh, anarchist utopia in the future, I think, that a lot of people in this space expect, because at the end of the day, there are going to be people who want to opt into the kinds of things we have now. And philosophically speaking, if you argue from a libertarian or voluntarist point of view, you can't really argue against people who choose to do that because that's that's their right to do that
3: i don't think there's a ton of anarchists that are against contracts right so if what you're saying is that you know by by signing up to be part of the cme they agreed to certain rules i don't you know that's totally legitimate i think the the thing that i hear people saying is oh the you know the anarchists like myself are saying oh they hope the sec gets involved now and I do, because that's all we've got, right? I mean, I, I would definitely prefer a better justice system. I don't, no anarchists are arguing that we shouldn't have a justice system. We're just arguing that the existing one is only right when it's right accidentally, and that we need to do a lot better. But we'll take what we can get.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, my stand, like when I when I criticize things like the BAT token or ICOs or all that, I'm not like I'm not coming from a position that I actually want to see the SEC come after them. I'm coming from a position of these are public facts. The SEC is bound to, or someone working for the SEC or someone who has contacts at the SEC is going to find them eventually. I'm going to make you scared as scared as possible right now. So that you fix it or you get out early so that they don't come after you or they can't come after you so if my criticism sounds like i'm calling for regulation i would actually say no i'm trying to help you get out and if you don't listen to me then i can't help you (laughs) because they will come after you and i can't save you
0: exactly you're trying to give people the the kind of tools to acknowledge reality instead of dig their head in the sand.
3: yeah yeah and we don't i mean we don't need new regulation anyway like there, there's every every one of us is committing like five or six felonies a day all they have to do is decide to enforce on anybody so there's no need to add additional regulations if they you know they can be arrested for fraud which is just making deceptive claim or deceiving people into buying stuff right it, it could be as simple as that and those guys could go down for all the nonsense they did with uh with bcash it doesn't have to be anything more subtle like insider trading that could be debated um you know it's they just flat out deceived their their customers into uh, buying crap
1: yeah and i think be... actually the...
2: Sorry, go ahead janine
1: well i think because i think actually the first issue um with regards to coinbase and the cme is the fact that they even listed bitcoin cash as a conflict of interest because they listed a competing product so actually that doesn't even have to be any insider trading or market manipulation or whatever uh, just the fact that they added it um, very uh, non-publicly, like it was a secret and they didn't publicize ahead of time that they were going to add it, like the fact that fact in itself could get them in trouble with the CME.
2: Yeah. And like, you know, I was just like I was going to say real quick, I want to be clear. I'm not saying like I want the SEC in a government suit with the orders of like a citation to take you to a court. I want the regulators to show up. CME's regulators, whoever they are, that's a badass with muscle at Brian Armstrong's house, pushing his arm behind his back, getting him to do what's right. Like, I mean, I don't know. The regulators, I mean, the SEC, I mean, like they've got lots like laws that they could say, you know, hey, you violated this or that. I mean, the reality is I just want some strong man to get there and say, you know, you need to do what's right for your customers. You can't just keep screwing over the majority of people in the United States that are using you as an exchange. I mean, it's just uh, it's gotten to that point to where it's too ridiculous for it to just go unnoticed and unchecked. We're way too up here in the sky. We got too much light on us. This is too important. It's for guys like this to just be screwing with it and um, and get away with it. I mean, like, uh, yeah, I don't necessarily want to see him go to jail as much as I just want to see somebody put some pressure on him to where he does the right thing.
1: Yeah, and I also want to point out that, you know, if you're running a project, you know, with supposedly decentralized cryptocurrencies and the SEC can take you down, like, I think you've overpromised something <laughs> like do you, like the reason the SEC hasn't come after Bitcoin like they're starting to come after these ICOs is because they know they can't take Bitcoin down. That's why it's not like they wouldn't want to. I'm pretty sure some people at the SEC want to, but they can't. If they can take down your ICO, uh, I'm not really interested in it, to be honest. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, regulatorily speaking, like that's actually one of the things I'm most interested to see kind of going into the next year. Like as the SEC gets a lot stricter about applying securities laws and regulations and trying to weed out the ICOs, like one, how many people are going to be ballsy enough to just go, fuck you. We're going to do it anyway. And two, how much of the market of investors would, Still display demand for products like that if they were effectively just openly illegal, ignoring these laws and regulations.
1: Would brave be brave?
0: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, I, I, I think we've kind of been fucking ragging on Coinbase though for, uh, for a for g- a good chunk of time now. Uh,
2: They're Coinbase though got to keep calling him that for a while. Yes. Until Brian's
0: gone. But uh, w- one positive uh, piece of news, I guess. Um, Elizabeth Stark made an appearance on uh, the Bloomberg Network uh, to discuss Lightning Network, which, uh, in my opinion, was something sorely needed with the uh, the web of shadiness between Roger Ver and CNBC and <laughs> the, the very one-sided nature of coverage over the past few weeks. But uh it's actually pretty well received from everything I saw. It's a nice kind of layman, uh, simplistic breakdown of things. But, you know, hopefully this this is something we can start seeing more of, like actual people who know what the hell they're talking about as guests on the mainstream media, instead of people like Roger pretty much playing a CIA man, running around and making backdoor connections with people in media organizations and uh,
2: pushing bullshit. Roger, a state actor, no, no well, uh, he's certainly out there like the biggest B cash holder there is, but uh you know it's good to yeah like you're saying, get some people on there that are technically competent to uh ta- discuss this tech because otherwise it just sounds like I don't know boiler room d j crap mm mm-hmm. just- I also
1: think it would be cool. I think it would be cool to point out the fact that um, Jack Mallers, who was on uh, the last episode of Block Digest, his app was actually featured in that segment with uh, Elizabeth Stark in the background. It was that uh, few seconds that you saw where there was you know, a Bitcoin like app that was uh, buying coffee apparently it's not actual coffee which i'm not that disappointed in because i don't need to buy coffee because i don't drink it but apparently it's not real coffee it's just a test app to show you how fast the lightning transactions uh, get confirmed (laughs) um but if you want to buy real coffee you could probably do that it's just not there yet because you have to find someone willing to take lightning transactions um but i thought that was cool you know we had one of our guests was also featured on bloomberg
0: yeah that's awesome Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, everybody out there who hasn't done it yet. I mean, I, I know there's kind of been uh, s- some issues with the uh, LND uh, client proper on the desktop if you're not very uh, technically versed. But, I mean, the, the Zap wallet from Jack is out there to test. The the Eclair wallet is available on Android, I know for sure. And, like, there, there's a few different wallets out there you can test right now just to see how it's functioning on testnet. And, I mean, I've been playing with the Eclair wallet, I just went on board for like the past few days, and I have had a single transaction so far that was not confirmed in the literal snap of a finger. And it only took like three seconds. And I mean, that's out of probably a few hundred test transactions I've made so far. Like it's, it's, it is looking very nice and functional as far as what's available on the test network and, and very sleek and easy to use.
3: and technically it's brilliant i mean it's like if if you are a technical guy like if you know how tcpi ip works or um or if you've written some software you can read that white paper and you're going to get it and uh one of the things i like that jack said last time is you know don't buy now wait wait until we have it fully deployed and it's tested and everybody's using it nobody in the market's confused about how bitcoin's going to scale and then buy because we don't want to see you buying until it's at least a hundred thousand dollars of bitcoin (laughs)
2: Yeah, I gotta get that uh Eclair or the Zap wallet and just like figure, you know, fool around with it. I've been fooling around with that samurai wallet for a while now and I've liked that wallet. And so yeah, I don't know. I I need to get that wallet and start fooling around with it because yeah, these lightning uh these lightning channels and lightning transactions are the future. So might as well start fiddling with it
1: and also remember guys if you want to get bitcoin you can buy a fraction of it you don't have to buy a whole bitcoin because apparently we have a lot of noobs coming in who think oh you have to buy a whole bitcoin you can't divide it into what is it a million satoshi or
0: a hundred million
1: yeah i think it's a million a hundred 100 million, million satoshis yes um St- don't, don't be stupid and look at Litecoin or Dash or IOTA or something <laughs> like that and think, oh, that's, I should buy that because it's cheaper. No, it's not, it's not cheaper in that sense. You can buy any amount of Bitcoin you want and it cool. will work. You don't have to buy a whole one.
3: I can't wait until the exchanges start listing bits or some smaller amount and the price of Bitcoin just shoots through the roof. It's going to be like, that's going to be a change where we're going to know how much dumb money is in the system. When you just change the denomination and it goes up by 30% in two days.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's going to be that, that, that knowing OG nod when you hear somebody talk about the price in terms of BTC instead of bits or something, just like, Hey brother.
2: Yeah. I just went through that myself. It's like, uh, you look at those ratios with btc it's like oh man this isn't this isn't the move i wanted and yeah it just makes sense to hold bitcoin
1: there's literally a t-shirt saying you can buy a fraction of a bitcoin and it's sold by crypto graffiti there's also an awesome t-shirt that i found recently that says money grows on merkle trees which i recommend as a christmas gift
2: <laughs> yeah that's one like i really it's funny i i don't know i that you've got to buy a whole Bitcoin problem like that really is a hang up like I I forgot about it, you know, because now I just sort of see it's like I'm just sort of putting money on the network and, you know, but yeah, yeah, you could definitely buy less than one Bitcoin people.
1: Because the consequence of that is that people sign on to an exchange or something. Or they just, you know, they look at the television and they're talking about Bitcoin and they see $17,000 or $12,000 or $20,000 and they think, oh, now it's only for rich people. I can't get it. No, you can put any amount that you're comfortable with into Bitcoin at any time. And obviously the price of Bitcoin will fluctuate. So depending on how volatile it is, when you buy it, you know, it might go up and down, but you can put in any amount of money that you feel comfortable losing. Like, you should always do that. You should always assume that the price is going to go down um, at least a significant amount like we saw in the, in the past day with 50% correction. Um, you should always assume that you're going to lose at least a large portion of what you put into Bitcoin. And you can put in any amount you want. So if you're not comfortable losing $100, then put in $50. Put in, uh, well, probably $5 would not be uh, good right now unless you're using Segwit addresses. But you can put in any amount of money you want.
2: Yeah, I mean, like I literally started with just like $10, I think, just fiddling around with very small amounts and just to where I got confident with the wallets and sending it back and forth. And yeah, it's um, I would recommend if you're especially if you're a first time buyer, don't just go buy a bunch of Bitcoin and you don't know where to store it and you don't know what you're doing. Buy a little bit, move it around, send it around understand how these work, understand it might take time to move these transactions. And then as you get proficient and you become more um, knowledgeable of the system and more secure with your ability to use that system, then you know you can start adding more to that because you feel confident in the system.
1: I actually yep. started off uh, in Bitcoin. My first Bitcoin was five cents uh, because I was using a faucet. <laughs> So I didn't even start yeah. off with five dollars. I started off with five cents. Nice.
3: Totally, and it's not like we're. Uh, it's not like Bitcoin's expensive yet, because Bitcoin is an is an experiment to replace money. Right, it's an experiment to see if we can create a global money that's not controlled by any government. And uh, if it works, it's going to have to be five million dollars plus a Bitcoin. Right, I mean, it's going to have to be astronomically huge compared to what it is right now. So you don't have to feel like you got to drop 20 grand right because if it's successful you're going to have an incredible return and if it's not successful it's going to zero so just put in what seems reasonable under those circumstances and whatever you do don't put in so much that you have to have it go up from here because we don't we don't know what it's going to do like we know it shouldn't be zero or we we know that zero is a viable number and you know maybe five million is a viable number right and it's in between those two things if it's if it's a new global money it's got to be five million plus and if it's nothing if it's not a global money then it's failed and it'll go to zero but the fact that we're in between those two numbers and like drastically in between shows that the whole market and the whole world is learning about how bitcoin works and we're experimenting to figure out if it's going to work a lot of the technical people are pretty confident it's going to work, but it doesn't mean that there's not going to be you know something that we didn't think of. Like stuff breaks all the time in the software world, so um, you know don't uh, don't feel like you have to go totally all in and uh, and don't feel like you know what it's going to do in the next ninety days. Because if you do, you're you're way smarter than anybody else that's been in the space for you know way a long time, and uh, that's not likely.
2: Yeah, I stay away from trying to call the cops in the bottoms.
1: Yeah, and I want to point out, uh, we were having a discussion yesterday in the mumble um, because I discovered the term micro-influencer because now it's not enough to call yourself an influencer. Uh, if, if you're someone who has uh, social media connections that are only above average, like you're not quite an influencer yet, you can now call yourself a micro-influencer. <laughs> um, so I just want to remind everyone, this is not investment advice, it's anti-investment advice. But if it was investment advice, it would be micro-investment advice.
0: Oh, shit, guys. Um, I I just walked under a ladder and tripped over my black cat and and broke the mirror on the wall. Bitcoin's going to die. Oh, shit. Oh, shit.
2: Oh, man. Don't listen to us. We're not going to get you any money other than maybe a little bit of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. But um,
0: no, you know, the, are, make, uh, the,
3: the momentum traders right they're, they're not even uh, smart enough to go oh I just you know I stepped on a black cat they're just like well it went up yesterday it's going to go up today
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I just I don't know I honestly don't know what to make of a lot of traders in this space I use a very simple tool set and definitely not call myself proficient in it it's, I just kind of see what happens but, um, you know, the to, all right, another bad segue courtesy of Shinobi Monkey. But Coinbase sprung a, a surprise on us that, that wasn't really um, a, a nice surprise this week. Here's a nice surprise. GMO, um, the, the Japanese company that was going to jump into mining and um, start opening up mining farms and uh, producing ASICs next year, they have a farm open already. Surprise. They got it done before the end of the year. Um, They have opened it up in an undisclosed Northern European country, uh, mostly powered off of renewable um, energy. But one of the interesting things here, um, if I can poorly um, find this in here, um, they are working with an unnamed alliance partner who possesses semiconductor design technology develop their asics so i have a guess as to to who this partner might be um does anybody else have a
1: guess they'd like to wager
2: i was thinking it could be btc drag i don't know
1: well you know every time i see their company name i think of genetically modified organisms so i'm gonna guess monsanto (laughs) No, no, no. Monsanto is moving into the mining business.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, in all, in all seriousness though, though or seriousness? I, I would wager a bet that this is Dragon Man. Because if you remember, part of their entire um, rationale was to get this initial production run um, being done now. You can get the miners shipped out to the people who pre-ordered early next year and then potentially open source the designs. To uh, allow other companies to start entering the space, and you know, I'm pretty sure Jihan, if the if this company was dealing with Bitmain, would be shouting that from the rooftops to try to fud and, and create the picture of his ironclad monopoly that's not going anywhere. And um, yeah, I, I don't see those statements anywhere.
2: No, I think that this is just great. Yeah, like, uh, you know, them getting working with an unnamed Alliance member, you know, I I think that, yeah, you could be right that because you're right, he did want to open source that. And I mean, the timing kind of lines up as far as the first quarter of 2018. And uh, I, I just like, what i noticed in this article that i thought was good just to see them kind of reiterate that they are still working on like uh, those mining boards for home computers and like uh yeah and you know definitely throw jahan off his game and um you know get this uh, mining decentralization really happen and um yeah i'm sure they're doing good you know they're probably in some cold climate with some renewable energy and you know i mean mining is a profitable business if you could do it correctly and you know, I wouldn't I mean, GMO is a big conglomerate of Internet companies. I don't think that they're just going in this, you know, without the right numbers behind it to be doing it profitably. So I think that, yeah, this is going to be awesome to see that, like, you know, to go ahead and see them kicking it off before 2018. That's great. So, yeah, 2018 is going to be a great year all around lightning, decentralized mining, decentralized exchanges. Yeah, lots of bullish activity for 2018. It's just, uh, you know, we're getting there.
1: <laughs> Speaking of uh, Jihan Wu, Shinobi, do you want to tell us what you plan to do with that staggeringly weird conversation we had yesterday with a possible Bitmain slash BTC.com employee? <sighs> yeah,
0: yeah. Um... Well, i guess now is as good a time as i to um we're probably not going to be doing a show on um saturday or sunday just because of the holidays but we do have a few um easter eggs and surprises um to give you in, in lieu of that one of which is a discussion that we had with a bcash supporter in the mumble server the other day and I feel really awkward <laughs> even like just thinking that I'm going to be publishing this later, but I do have to take solace in the fact that it was recorded at his request, that this this was not some kind of gotcha, we just started recording or recorded him without him knowing. He, he literally requested that the discussion we had was recorded and published publicly. And yeah, I feel really awkward and really bad for this guy because I don't think he knows his head from his ass or how anything in this space actually functions or what is going on. And if this individual that we talked with is any kind of indicator of your average Bcash supporter, I just feel so bad for these people. Because they have just been suckered into supporting a pump and dump scam by a bunch of sociopaths and they just have no idea what's going on like they're, they're literally de- defending these people who are actively defrauding them and it, I just it's not going to end well for these people and I, I'm sure that a, a lot of people will probably laugh their asses off listening to it I'm sure a lot of people will probably shut it off and think it's a waste of time, and I'm sure a lot of people who stick through and listen to it will probably feel as awkward as I do, but uh, this this is going to be something we're publishing over the next day or two, and I guess uh, you can make of it what you're going to make of it.
2: Uh, I mean, like, I don't know how bad it's going to be. I just, I wasn't there for that particular discussion, but um, if it's anything like the shouting echo chamber of RBTC, I could imagine. And yeah, it's probably not going to be too pretty.
1: It wasn't quite that. I mean, it was mostly Mr. Hoddle. Uh, Mr. Hoddle kind of talked at the top of his voice on a number of occasions, and then... Uh, a couple of people, other people were asking him questions that he couldn't really answer, he was coming back with, you know, the usual predictable uh, conspiracy theories, like about how Lightning Labs is actually Blockstream, Light. it's a Blockstream Lightning Hub, guys, so not only does Blockstream run Lightning Labs, Lightning has hubs, as we know, it does not have hubs, as another conspiracy theory. And then there was other moments where I, because my my style of, um, you know, journalism, or at least my way of correcting uh, people is to ask them questions and then see what their answer is and then just keep asking them questions. And they usually are a lot more responsive to that because, you know, I'm not accusing them of anything or raising my voice. I'm just asking them, them questions and when I can ask them a question and then give them an answer then I can kind of see what the response is and his responses was generally a lot of silence and confusion and I thought that was quite interesting so maybe he'll consider some of the points that all the people in the mumble made because uh, it did sound that way towards the end uh, except for the part where you know he was he was saying because we actually asked him like how do you think you did you know over the course of this you know quasi interview and he's like I think I did really good and you guys look like a bunch of suckers and <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I I don't know if I can necessarily say that I'm looking forward to everyone hearing it. Um, it was definitely hilarious to listen to at the beginning. The, I mean, because if it was just a random person, I'd be like, you know, what what would be the point of this? And that that's what I was saying to Shinobi at the beginning. It's like I don't really see the what's what the worth is in recording this guy. And then we found out because uh, someone in the mumble chat, uh, Duringo, actually found his Twitter profile. And he had a picture of Bitmain warehouses in his header picture. And I was like, hmm, <laughs> does that mean he works for Bitmain? And so I asked him, do you work for Bitmain? He's like, I think his answer was something along the lines of he works on, he does BTC. a little bit of work Com, for them. I he mostly, yeah, yeah, he works on like the wallets for, or something for BTC.com. And that was very interesting to find out because that means he, you know, he's not just a random supporter you know he's actually someone who's involved like building stuff for them and so that made his perspective all the more worthwhile to listen to because it's very reflective of you know people that are uh involved with bitcoin cash
2: i've got to hear this now i didn't know it was with Hoddle. i'm sure he's getting upset in that one yeah, he
0: got he got a little heated after at some points, but you know we all tried to kind of keep it civil in tone. And I mean, his his frustration was totally understandable. I mean, we've kind of been dealing with this nonsense from all directions for years.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, I think large portions of it will probably be unintelligible because it's just Mister Huddle, and uh, I think his name was. Alajid or something. I don't remember how to pronounce it, but they were basically yelling back and forth at each other. So a lot of it you will not be able to understand. <laughs> but the parts that you can, I think, are okay to listen to. Yeah,
2: that sounds like it's going to be fun. Fun content.
3: I'm looking forward to it. I, I think if you've ever tried to talk somebody out of being part of a cult, I, I haven't heard it. I don't know. But the way you guys are describing it, it sounds a lot like that.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if I want to spoil it, but let's just say he was he was very willing to praise Jihan Wu and the 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 great effort he has made for the blockchain and all that yeah the, the sun <laughs> as it
3: rises, and Craig Wright is at his right hand. and uh, yeah, I, I can I can already like hear the religious overtones uh,
1: surprisingly enough, he said he was not a fan of Craig Wright, which I'm pretty sure is a sin. That he will get punished for <laughs> very soon. <laughs> At this very moment, he is probably getting punished.
3: <laughs> he's he's, uh, he's he's chanting something and, and moving beads in his hands as we speak for that that slander against the uh, the prophet CSW.
2: Oh man, yeah, especially when that thing gets released. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: All right, trademark Shinobi
0: Segway. I nailed it. Nailed it. All right. Goldman Sachs is going to set up a cryptocurrency trading desk and try to start market making. Like this is just like, I am just waiting to hear JP Morgan say they're going to do it too or like try to leapfrog and be like, we're working on integrating Bitcoin deposits for, for bank uh, account holders and, and other customers. Or it's like, it's like all of the financial institutions, the, the, the stock exchanges looking into this, uh, all the other banks starting to dip their toes and stuff. I mean, we, the futures contracts, like Goldman Sachs here, literally talking about market making. Uh, And like, this is like, this is happening. Like they're starting to just cave. Like, like this is happening. We can't stop this. We just have to roll with it and try to figure it out somehow. And it's just, it's, it's so hilarious the way that, that, you know, you've got all these other institutions like, like Goldman Sachs here that are just going for it. But JP Morgan kind of painted themselves into a corner with uh Jamie Damone just it's a, it's a Ponzi scheme. It's it's a bubble. It's gonna and it's just like he's he's painted himself into that corner where all of his other competitors are starting to move towards the cash cow right now. And he's he's kind of made it impossible for him to do that without taking a huge reputational hit and pretty much just eat shit and, and acknowledge he was dead wrong. But I mean, like the you know, a lot of people are probably going, oh my God, a bank getting into Bitcoin, but something as large as Goldman Sachs getting involved in market making, that's the kind of shit that's going to actually, one, accelerate the price upwards and two, start building up levels of liquidity that will actually provide the kind of stability needed to start trying to really use this as as a, a means of transacting or trading with people for actual products in, in the the markets. Like the, the, this is how we get to actually being used widely as a currency, because we need that stability.
1: Yeah. Although, and, just to clarify, that doesn't stop them from being the same bunch of scumbags that caused the financial crisis. <laughs> <laughs> and are the reason Bitcoin exists in the first place to get away from them.
0: Yeah, but now I guess they can uh, start atoning for it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're they're gonna they're gonna have to do a lot of atonement before they ever make up for what they did. <laughs> At least in my books.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's something where it's unfortunate that these guys, you know, I mean it's like the way of the world where it's like, you know, these new systems come on, the people that are in the right spots are going to be there to get in first. And yeah, that's, that part's unfortunate. I mean, like, it is fortunate though to see, you know, that their customers are coming to them and saying, why the hell aren't you dealing with Bitcoin? Because we want Bitcoin and, you know, we need to get in this. And so they're responding to it. And, um, you know, it's not exactly like all these other future products. I know that some of their like uh, investors like turned away because they said that, uh, you know, they're asking some of their clients to set aside funds equal to the full value of their trade, which I guess that, you know, is a little too much for uh, some people. And uh, yeah, it's it's one of these like, I mean, once it comes on, we start to get more light on the situation, more people in, in Bitcoin and it just becomes more of a uh, a system that is going to be used by the masses. It's getting adopted by the masses, and you're going to see these people that are in charge of the masses currently stepping in, most likely before the average customer. And um, I don't know. I think it's a good thing that they're at, they're offering it to their customers. It's a good thing their customers are coming to them. But um, it is kind of unfortunate that that's the way things play in society in general really
3: yeah it's going to take time to trans- transition from the old system to the new system i mean in the united states most people have if they have any substantial savings it's tied up in a 401k and they're not able to take that money and put it into bitcoin and it's so bad right now that a lot of people have bought stock use their 401k to buy stock in a company and they have to pay like i think about two times what the bitcoin value is that the company holds so they're they're willing to do that because it's their only option, right? If they take it out of their 401k, they get early withdrawal fees. So stuff like the the ETFs and the you know the commodities futures and all that stuff, it's you know it's kind of a, it's a necessary evil, right? We have to have those on ramps into Bitcoin. But what's what's really sweet about Bitcoin is that once you have your money in Bitcoin and you see it and you get interested and you go, oh wait a minute, I'm paying one and a half percent per year management fee. For these jackasses to hold my bitcoin and maybe lose them on occasion but if i just buy this 150 hardware wallet i have complete control so you know the competition is going to be stiff for being able to hold people's bitcoin uh, the premiums that you're going to be able to charge are going to drop oh, like cough, those guys have never cough. seen
0: before um cold card plug um it's going to be 50 dollar hardware wallet this year
3: even better uh, i mean the competition is even even hot on that that side where it's nothing compared to the i mean it's not it's not unheard of to pay two three percent uh fees right like you you put your money into uh um the hands of a financial planner they, they they do better than um random chance very rarely right like if you just threw literally threw like darts at a board and picked your stock tickers that way um or you just bought a uh uh, b- bought just a random mutual fund. Chances are you do better than most of these financial planners and it's not it's not uncommon for them to charge 2 2 or 3% and and that's not of the money that they make you. That's the money of they, that they hold for you. So they can hold the $100,000 of yours, it can go down to $85,000 and that year they still get to pocket 3,000 or 2,000 of your money. So they're going to have a really hard time with that kind of a business model once people realize just how easy and more secure it is to hold their own Bitcoin, but they've got to go through these phases, right? People have got to get on ramp. So it's, it's all good. And it's, you know, it's the beginning of the end for those guys. Let them embrace it. It's it's their own destruction.
2: Right. Just yeah, I mean, see- I
1: don't-
2: I'm sorry. Go I was ahead, just going to say, they're going to see how long they can hold your keys before you finally realize like, Oh wait, I can control my own Bitcoin. Yes, you can.
1: Yeah. I'm, yeah, I mean, I don't know about the rest of you, but like, I've never, I've never been disappointed with the hardware wallets. Like, it's just, it's such a great feeling to not only know that you're controlling your keys, but the interfaces have been really amazing. I consider, like, from the limited amount that I've seen of exchanges, like the hardware, the hardware wallet interfaces that they've made are usually okay. Apparently, Ledger's is really bad. I actually haven't used. I haven't I haven't used Ledger um, since they decided to put Intel SGX in it, um, and also because they're I believe it was the CTO he was a real dick to me about that, so I'm not buying Ledger's anymore. Sorry, um, but Trezor the wallet the Trezor uh, interface uh, is really good. I've always liked it. It's like if if the if the complaint is UX, uh, you know, or UI, I can I'm willing to help people out with that if the interface is too confusing. But I find you know, at least Trezors to be really easy to follow.
3: It's a well, hell lot mean- of a than within Coinbase where you have to uh, you have to type in the amount manually. Because um, I I was using Coinbase, I will admit, until a week ago for really small transactions. Um, you know, just like onboard new users, that sort of stuff. And uh, that's a freaking nightmare. Like you can't just uh, you can't just scan a QR code and send that amount. You have to like look at the amount that you're trying to send and type it in manually, and then you, and then only then does the QR code uh, scanner come up. So it's, it's uh, the hardware wallets are definitely better than
0: that. One one thing though, I, I do want to say that infuriates me with hardware wallets is how they do not allow users to actually manually select outputs because this one yes I, is, I definitely
1: agree with that yeah
0: yeah th- th- it gives you a lot finer control over the fees you'll be paying and a better understanding for why the fees are what they are and two like you can't really maintain your privacy on the blockchain if your wallet doesn't let you select the outputs and it's just randomly tangling all of your outputs together on the blockchain showing that a single person controls all of them and that, that's kind of why I, I went gurr with Ledger, because um, like a month or so ago, I tagged Keep Key, Trezor and Ledger and kind of was like, you know, you guys should do this uh, as somebody that a lot of nudes use and got no response. And so I got really infuriated with Ledger the other day, um, finally going to manage my Bitcoin gold and not having the ability to prevent all of my outputs from being tangled together. And so I, I kind of more angrily went, you, you're pretty much spitting in the face of your users' privacy if you don't offer this option. And BTC Chip pretty much got incredibly defensive and pretty much told me to do it. The, the, this private company that is, is selling a product for a profit effectively told me to make their product better for them. And it, like the, this space overall being open source. Uh, Is something I am very much aligned with, but they're a private company selling a product for a profit. Like it it is not the same as being a a project that is just something people are working on for free and being like, well, hey, chip in and contribute. Like you're building a product. It's it's your job to refine and optimize that. And like it's their their UI has been so simplistic and lacking options since I got my first Ledger like more than, more than a year or two ago. And despite the fact that Trezor still doesn't give you output control, they have the ability to use CLVT. They have the ability to use op return. They are actually packing in as many of these full features as they can into their user interface instead of just keeping the same hacky thing that's not adding access to any features for years. And like that's something that these kinds of products need to do they need to get all of the features of bitcoin to the point where a layman can very easily use them otherwise they're effectively limiting what most people will be able to use bitcoin for
3: that's true i don't disagree i think but in the context of something like coinbase like grab any random hardware wallet like i don't care if you've ever heard of it before and you're going to be more secure than using coinbase so no you're you're totally right there's privacy issues with how you manage your keys and You know, all of your your criticism is totally valid, but um, in the context of what we've seen in the last few days, it's just it's it's almost insignificant.
1: Yeah, I want to point out really quickly. So, Shinobi, you and I have both interacted with the same Dick CTO. Um, His name is Nicholas Baca. Uh, If you want to show his profile page on the Ledger website, that's who BTC Chip is. Um, (laughs) so this is the guy uh, who. You know, if you want to make any kinds of requests like that, don't interact with him because he's not probably not going to listen to you. Um, in terms of Trezor, I think actually a year ago, Chris and I um, asked Trezor why they didn't allow you to choose uh, which outputs or which addresses to send from. And uh, Trezor, tre- I, well we didn't specifically ask Trezor, I think we asked, uh, uh, I think it's Elena Satoshi, I don't remember her last name, she goes by Elena Satoshi on um, Twitter. And she works with satoshi labs and she said that the reason they haven't done it is because they consider that to be an advanced feature which i guess i would agree with like most users probably wouldn't be looking for that but personally i think it's definitely something they should look into because that's like at the top of the list for me every time i use any kind of wallet i get frustrated when i'm not able to choose which outputs i send from so that's really important to think of in terms of the roadmap See, like I, I can appreciate like
0: an argument based on prioritizing which features to, to give users, but like honestly, I, I I don't mean to shit on Elena. I love her, but that, that's a bullshit argument, whether it's coming from her or or ledger or keep key or whatever. I mean it's 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 effectively a list that it's like each thing is a different coin. The more coins you put in a transaction, the more expensive it is. And they each have a denomination. I mean, I, I really think trying to argue that that's too complex for people um, is bullshit because if they're able to be here and understand how things work right, right now on a simplistic level, if they're not grandma or grandpa that have their grandkids managing everything for them, I mean, it, it, when you really boil it down, it, it's a list of numbers. And to say that, that that's too complex for most people to deal with, I think is kind of ridiculous.
3: Well, I I don't, I always say it's too complex for most people to deal with, but most people are going to want to just have the simplest flow possible. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't understand the importance of being able to select a specific UTXO, right? They're not even aware of the privacy implications. So just to kind of, I don't know, put it in context a little bit. you know i i don't know what these guys have as far as a roadmap goes right i mean is their is their number one priority just dropping the cost by five bucks maybe that's what they should be focused on i'm not i'm not I'm 100 sure and when it comes to what another company's doing even if they have an asshole interface i do tend to i mean you wouldn't know it from probably my twitter feed for the last few days but i do tend to give companies like a huge benefit of the doubt because it's fucking hard it is so hard to run a company and keep all the employees paid and figure out what customers want you pretty much have to like try to set my front lawn on fire before i hate you right and that's what coinbase has done that's what everybody involved in the new york agreement has done they they literally tried to come after the thing that we all love which is bitcoin and and stuff a security hole in it that would make it useless so you know uh, that that's kind of my overall perspective. I, I I'm not saying your complaints aren't valid, but gosh, in, in context of, of uh of the assholes that are really trying to destroy us, I think I think we just need a little bit more competition in the hardware space. I think you know, open dime is cool. I think we're gonna get I mean, more yeah, of it.
0: Yeah, but like, you know, by the same token, like a, a company like, like Coinbase or Ledger or Keep Key or Trezor, they chose to put themselves in a situation where they're their, their market niche is to get all of the noobs and all, all of the Luddites and teach them how to interact with this ecosystem to make it something they can accomplish. And, like, if, if users don't understand those things, well, hey, here's your opportunity to teach them something about the system that you are trying to incentivize them and give them tools to interact with. So, I mean, like, the, that's. Like, I still think it's it's I get your argument, but I still think it's it's copping out, essentially.
1: Yeah, I would I would push back on what you just said a little bit. I don't I don't view Coinbase's role as someone who wants to actually teach people about this stuff, because actually it seems to me like they're doing the opposite. They want to make it so apparently easy to use that people don't have to learn about how it works. Uh, (laughs) as we've observed uh, with many uh, new users recently. The reason they go to Coinbase is because they don't really know any other way, and supposedly these exchanges uh, make it so easy for them because they act as both an exchange and a wallet at the same time, and most people don't know how much of a hazard that is. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So I wouldn't say that their role is to teach, necessarily.
2: Um like uh coin kite is coming out and uh i know that uh rodolfo is really into all these little things that we're talking about i'm i'm not 100 percent if this uh feature is going to be in there but i'm thinking like you know this is kind of like altcoins it's like there's like certain levels of you know decentralization and development and community and it's like you know like some somebody who is like a and like an older person who doesn't really want anything else other than storage, like maybe then like you know the cheap, you know. However, they know that their Bitcoin is secure, and that's all they're really going for. Where you know you could go to CoinKite if you're like, I want to make sure that my transaction goes to the output that I'm selecting, or you know these little features that. I mean, like, I understand. I feel like maybe these things should be default in these wallets, but. Like like JW saying, as far as running a a company that's trying to maintain profitability and employees and all this stuff, uh, I could see them saying like, well, our customers aren't necessarily worried about their identity. Our customers are more worried about how they're going to secure their Bitcoin and how expensive our wallet is. And so that's our two main directives and um where somebody like CoinKite, is they say hey you know our main directive is we want a cheap hardware wallet that somebody has the most uh tools available for them and yeah i think we're gonna just start seeing these markets uh you know it's like some people go on a ledger because they need it like that tracer seems to be like the beefiest like like i like the interface too it seems like it works well there's backing these small like these extra features you're discussing and maybe you know you go to something like CoinKite if you want the all the features that are ab- available to you so um yeah i mean like as time goes on i think we're going to just start seeing basically just different markets of hardware wallets like i mean can we even really define what open dime is like it's not necessarily cold storage i mean it is a hardware wallet it's something like in between and um yeah these things aren't fully flushed out yet
1: well I mean, the main difference between uh, op- like an Open Dime uh, hardware wallet and a Trezor is that to do a transaction with Trezor, I mean, you, you're basically you have to do an on-chain transaction at the moment whenever you send money. Whereas with Open Dime, that's for the purpose of off-chain transactions that are that still main- maintain the same amount of security. Um, or at least uh, at least a hot very high amount of that security, not completely obviously, because the most secure transactions would be the ones that are actually on chain. Um, but uh, yeah, o- open dimes are specifically meant for off-chain transactions.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like we're just we're the space is evolving, and we're figuring out what these hardware wallets like you know where they fall for their customers. Like I mean, some people are really. You know, they want to make sure that their identity is not being compromised. And so they won't go to Ledger where. And, and hopefully,
3: knows. you know, the, the protocol is evolving, right? So Lightning is going to help a lot with that. Um, and especially if we have Lightning that's getting routed, you know, or or in combination with um, with the the uh, the mixers that, you know, that. Have, uh, gosh, what's the name of the mixer that they just they just did a test uh, zero,
1: link. zero link? Yeah,
3: yeah, exactly. So I, I mean i on all of those fronts. I'm super optimistic, and I don't want to I don't want to get too frustrated with folks that are trying to actually build something even if they're not great at it. It's it's the folks that are trying to destroy something that, that really get under my skin.
0: Yeah, that's fair. But all right, uh, I'll, I'm going to just keep uh, keep grump. words. Words are not working for me right now griping. Um, If if we don't move along. So uh, we're going to show something. Everybody who hasn't watched this yet. Magical Crypto Friends. This is going to be a a new monthly uh, YouTube show with Charlie Lee, Ricardo Spegni, Samson Mao, and Whale Panda. And if you guys haven't seen it yet, holy shit. Is the intro to this show a fucking treat? And you know, I, we're we're all really grateful to like everybody who who watches us and, and other shows like this with uh you know people who've been in the space as users for years. But I, I think it's going to be a nice treat to you know once a month be able to hear things directly from the horse's mouth instead of just kind of hearing, you know, dedicated users giving our opinions and, and assessments of things. Yeah. Kind of have that that whole spectrum filled in. Yeah, not I, I don't only
3: want to the, the pot, but does uh, does Charlie Lee steal a lot of stuff?
0: Oh come on, JW. <laughs> does
3: he? Uh, is he the guy that runs around and tricks people into buying bullshit? <laughs> oh shit, man! No, this is
1: so this mean, looks you mean. Be- you mean you mean like a chicken with its head cut off? <laughs> 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 oh man,
0: no. They, they they rag on him with like coin and there, J W and he takes it like a champ. I, I I think you'll find that entertaining if you haven't watched it already.
3: No, I I gotta say Charlie Lee is a funny son of a bitch, but uh, he's he's good. Like he's not he's not the Roger Vercon man. He's the he's like the super. He's the guy that I would give money to. Right? Yeah. <laughs> he's the guy that would get me. <laughs>
1: Well, what I like about it is that, like, for several weeks, they were all changing their avatars on Twitter. And I was like, what is going on? Why are you changing your pictures to cartoony ish animals? And then, <laughs> and then I saw the Twitter account. And I was like, oh i see where this is going now and the in yeah you guys have to watch the intro obviously but the intro is amazing it's like this whole animated sequence like it it when you when you open it when you first start the video it's like did i just turn on the channel to like uh my little pony or something um they definitely have the advantage i i will give them credit they have the advantage that each of them is associated with an animal and that makes for very good marketing material because then you can make it look very childlike and friendly and inviting um and they each have this you know persona that's an animal it's very easy to play on uh so definitely give them credit for that um uh, i did watch uh i only got to watch a portion of the first episode um and unfortunately, uh, it was a bit outdated because it was from right after two echoes from over a month ago. so it's a little old now. Um I assume that be more up to date, but it was uh, definitely the intro was they could I could tell that they put uh, a bit of effort into at least the intro. so it should be worth checking out.
0: I demand cartoon sketches in addition to the intro and the live action parts i demand them if they do not arrive i will boycott every person involved in that show give me my damn cartoons
2: yeah we're going to open source those animations too i i think this is great i saw charlie lee talk tweet a while back about putting this podcast together So it was funny to see it come together like that. I totally didn't guess they were going to do something where it was so. I don't know. It does seem kind of like a pilot for a kid's program. (laughs) You know, it's got the animation thing. I hadn't seen it yet. I hadn't listened to it yet. I'm sure it's not a kid's program, but, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely got, it could grab the interest of some kid walking by for sure.
3: That's why Charlie yeah, Lee has all his Litecoin because the the production quality on that thing is just through the roof. Yeah,
2: that's what he's been. Oh yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, my my only concern is that. Um, I mean, it's a good thing that they each chose to be a different type of animal because uh, if they weren't, it would be very close to being uh, what I would call uh, affectionately Bitcoin Bronies. <laughs> <laughs>
3: All right, that's you know what? i
0: think i think we're gonna have to do this guys um bear with me for the minute to reroute my audio but i i think we have to we have to play this for you guys so you can actually
2: see the intro oh yeah man
3: yes that's definitely worth the
2: wait in the meantime like what's this beauty bubbles talking about in the chat about aliens in los angeles what is going on <laughs> is uh, that a joke? I guess there's like a a lights in the sky moment, like there wasn't Phoenix going on in Los Angeles right now, where a bunch of people are outside looking at the UFOs.
3: <laughs> that is beautiful. <laughs> the audio, we're not getting the audio, but the the uh, the imagery is amazing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> of course it's a badass chicken.
1: Yeah, I get the fork out of Bitcoin's foot.
2: Wow, this is awesome. Ethereum, Satoshi's (laughs) Satoshi's mission. mission. (laughs) (laughs) Ricardo throws the wine at him.
3: How did Charlie manage to get Litecoin like on the good guys side? What the heck? This is brilliant. He's so good, man.
2: Yeah, this is brilliant. Really, these guys. Wow.
3: Like Litecoin is Bcash two years ago, and uh, and now it's like <laughs> it's like it's like always associated with uh, with the good guys. So uh, to the point where yeah, yeah. Samson Mao is doing coast stuff with. So he's brilliant.
2: It's like you're saying, uh, he's he's smart. He sells that. Like I mean, you know, he's got that Bitcoiner's emotion, he knows it, and so he can sell it. Man, I
3: predict that there will not be any cartoons that are that are co-hosted with Bitcoin guys and Bcash guys in two years. I think maybe we've grown beyond that now. Yeah,
0: so audio I uh, didn't didn't come through all the
1: way.
3: No, but no. it was still it was still a feast for the eyes. It was great.
0: Ah poopy stupid guys. Google hangouts. <laughs>
1: Well, I think we have to up the production here. If we were to turn all of ourselves into animal personas for a almost kids show for Bitcoin, what would we be? Would you be Wookie. still a Wookiee JW? <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly.
0: I'd be a sloth. Well, I'm obviously, yeah, I'm obviously a monkey. And
2: yeah, I'm a
0: sloth. Absolutely. Really slow-moving <laughs> person,
1: sloth.
3: All right, Janine's the mystery here. Janine,
2: what would you be?
1: Uh... Oh, I honestly don't know. I mean, because like my favorite animals are wolves and horses, but I don't know if that's funny enough. <laughs> A wolf, man. A wolf. An owl. A wolf. I could do an owl.
2: An owl, yeah. The smart owl. Yeah. You could do
3: like the 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 horses that the girl loves on Bob's Burgers. That that would be pretty funny.
2: <laughs> oh god. <laughs> oh god.
3: <laughs> Mr. Goiter.
2: Yeah, I guess we're gonna have to come up with some uh, some. Hot little animated intro. That'd be pretty funny. But uh, or there's a yeah.
1: there's a Netflix show with a, a horse that talks like a human. And he gets drunk all the time. I can't remember what that's called. It's like is an Ed? animated thing on Netflix.
2: Oh no no not Mister. Oh I know this. Oh, I know this. Mr. Brains, I know. You're failing. Oh Jack it. Horseman. Yes right. yes is. yes
1: <laughs> that, that I can be Jack awesome. Horseman. Yes. Oh, Jack. <laughs> Jackie Horseman.
2: There
1: you go.
3: Perfect.
0: (laughs) Alrighty. Surprise segue. A shitty company in the space is trying to pull a PR move to fix their image. I mean, you you got to after this shit with Coinbase. So um, apparently Blockchain Info has hired Sejor's provost to... um, you know, be, be an open source developer under their payroll. And yeah, one thing I, I, I don't like about this is th- this is this actual um, statement in their blog post. We want to make sure Sejors is independent. So we've been clear that he is sponsored for the work and is independent from their main engineering team. Sejors can work on any protocol that we're currently supporting on our wallet. Everything that he does is open-sourced. Okay, now let's wind back to that second one. When, when Coinbase, I mean, despite the gigantic shit show that they're involved in right now, displaying monumentous uh, incompetence, uh, when, when they hired a, an open-source developer, it, it was literally free reign. He could do whatever he wanted, and he chose to work on the Lightning Network. And they were actually trying to hire more developers under that model. Where, where you literally can do anything you want. Why is blockchain info trying to pull this nice, this nice uh, smooth PR move here and do air quotes the same thing, but restrict him to only work on things that are deployed on their wallet. Can't work on SegWit or anything using SegWit, they haven't deployed it. Can't work on Lightning Network, they haven't deployed it. You couldn't work on something like Tumblebit, like a mixer service, CoinJoin, pretty much anything that would actually be useful to the ecosystem at large, um, he can't work on because blockchain info isn't deploying any of it. So I, I kind of wanted to point this out. And if you see this being bandied around as the uh, look blockchain info is contributing, bullshit. This is a sneaky PR move. That, that is absolutely no way equivalent to the way Coinbase hired the, the developer that chose to work on the Lightning Network. He's limited to only work on things relevant and already deployed in their product. So in other words, anything that he can work on is not going to provide any value at all to the ecosystem at large, just blockchain info.
2: So it doesn't really sound like that much of an open source move from blockchain i don't know i mean like open source the way i feel like you know you come in you work on what you want to work on and i mean like uh and blockchain.info uses bitcoin and segwit is you know that's a bitcoin that's something that bitcoin is going to utilize in the future and so if i would be like you know like you're saying i'd be working on trying to implement segwit on those wallets and i don't know it'd be weird if that's like the case if they can't you can't do that then yeah, like you're saying, it just sounds like a PR move and um you know, it's upsetting because when I first read it, I was like, "Oh, cool. A step in the right direction." But yeah, when you start to read the wording of it, it doesn't necessarily sound like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll give them a benefit of the doubt that they don't deserve at all <laughs> and just just say that maybe by protocol that they've implemented, maybe that's just a low-key way of saying like don't work on any other coins that we don't support in our wallet i'm not really sure you know because you know we know that blockchain.info is not the great is not the greatest at using language correctly (laughs) you are yeah i Um, I won't i won't give him that
0: um, i mean like drummond just said in the chat watch him go work on bcash yeah well that's
1: um, I, I actually I don't know uh, that I'm not familiar with the um, developer they hired I know he is because I actually added it to because um, I updated my blog post about the segwit stuff and I added him to the blog the fact that blockchain.info um, sponsored him um, I do know he's number 70 on the list of contributors so he's not like way up there with you know people like Peter Wool and Peter Todd but he is um, I believe the uh, the Bitcoin core repo has uh about 460 something contributors um at least that we know of and so he's number 70 so he's still pretty high up there um but yeah i wouldn't be surprised um if they've already put those kinds of uh terms and conditions in their sponsorship pr announcement there probably are some others that we're not aware of and probably he knows what they are but they don't want to make that public (laughs)
3: Yeah, if they were part of Segwit2x, then uh, I wouldn't give them the benefit of the doubt for
0: anything. They're, yeah. they're Coinbase. Oh. They're, they're oh, yes. And on that yeah. note, I, on I that note gone. Peter Smith, the CEO of Blockchain Info, was hugely involved in actually organizing and, and managing the entire situation. But he very slyly kept himself out of the public eye. Didn't put himself into into the spotlight, didn't put his name on any real big announcements or kind of take a, a leading role in everything. But he was very instrumental in actually organizing and managing that whole agreement.
1: So, and for he, anybody he signed, out
0: there, who, yeah, like he, he was he signed
1: instrumental. The, signed the cancellation email for Sega 2X, the cancellation email with Mike, Mike, Mike Belshi and Eric Voorhees and Jihan Wu. He was one of the signatories for that. So, he was very involved.
3: Yep. So he's not going to do anything good. It's very rare that somebody is that that uh, malicious and then turns around and does something good, in my experience.
1: Yeah, and the reason he's doing it is because uh, initially when Segwit2x got cancelled, people were telling him, like... Well, now now that this has failed, you know, you can get back to working on Bitcoin. Why don't you give money to core developers or why don't you hire someone to have them work on Bitcoin Core or one of the other implementations? And he said it would be a waste of resources to have someone working at the protocol level because Core would just... Uh, the core is not interested in on-chain scaling, and so they would block any attempts to. And I was like, "Oh, you, you are. We're gonna remember this, Peter."
2: Right. Yeah,
3: yeah. we definitely need to get that. Uh, I, I, I have a designer working on it right now. The Bitcoin Villains website, because I can't keep track of all these assholes. Uh, but we'll we'll have like an IMDb style uh, list of the. The past attacks, um, instead of films, and link it out to each one of these guys, so we can we can not get confused about who's uh, who's tried to screw us in the past.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah, and I mean, it's like this this hasn't sunk into their heads yet. The internet does not forget shit. Everything gets archived. Everything gets seen, and all it takes is one person out there who's seen it has that archive to just go hey guys remember this and whoa it's back at the forefront again like bullshit does not get swept under the rug and disappear
1: and you know it was one of the best remember this moments the fact that peter smith tweeted in i believe it was january 2017 that segwit was ready to go on blockchain.inflow web wallets where did that go huh peter (laughs) it's gone now apparently
2: yeah or it never existed I <laughs> yeah i i don't know this uh this you know peter smith he tries to stay out of the limelight i mean you know we saw that with uh, barry silver too it's like somebody who's in- involved but not very vocal about it trying to avoid the press with it and yeah i mean if you were a part of that and that was your uh your motive was 2x then yeah i, I highly then it's very suspect this uh this like announcement as far as like trying to do something for uh the advantage of bitcoin I, yeah it's real suspect now
1: and i also want to point out just in relation to you know the this now this uh, more active involvement by companies to sponsor or contribute um, development, which apparently blockchain at Info is trying to do in some half-hearted way. Um, there were actually already a significant number of developers who were sponsored by companies that you, may actually surprise you. For example, uh, Jonas uh, is it Schnelly? I think that's how you pronounce his name, mm-hmm. Jonas Schnelly. Um, he has been sponsored by Bit. He and another developer who I don't. Uh, i don't remember the name of he is sponsored by bitmain then you have alex uh uh morcos he has his own uh new york-based chaincone labs which supports uh matt corallo john newberry um and i think two other developers that i can't remember the name of and then now we have this developer sponsored by blockchain Didinfo. peter todd is funded by btcc or btc yeah oh my god too many letters Era, Eric Lambozzo, um runs his own company. He's the CEO of Cifrex. And then Vladimir Vandalon, who is the core maintainer, he's been supported through the MIT Digital Currency Initiative's Bitcoin Developer Fund, which also used to fund Gavin Andreessen before Gavin stopped contributing to Bitcoin Core. So yeah, there's a lot of core developers who are actually sponsored and funded by companies um, that don't always seem to have uh, uh, aligning motives uh, with core, or at least profess not to. Um, But some of them actually do at least give money to um, core developers in the background. And at least I'm not aware of the arrangement with a lot of them, but I know at least with Peter Todd, uh, because he posted a blog post about um, when he started getting uh, money from BTCC, that uh, he also had a very hands-off uh, contract with them. I think even more hands off than this one with Blockchain Info, where BTCC said that they wouldn't um, dictate what he was working on. It was just, you know, they were funding core development, and that was it. Mm-hmm.
0: That's why I call bullshit with this Blockchain Info agreement, because literally every other company I know of that sponsors work in this way, it's pretty much no strings attached. Like there, there are no conditions, no limitations on what they can work on. But here we have Peter Smith and Blockchain Info trying to sneakily grab the PR credit, but limit what he can work on to simply Blockchain Info's products.
2: I mean, the, the whole thing is
0: just—it's—it's it's a joke.
2: But uh, sorry about that, man. I was just gonna say, yeah, it's just—it's a joke. I mean, it's ridiculous, but. Yeah, I accidentally hit a bookmarks button instead. <laughs>
0: uh oh. Well, um, hmm, who can guess what, what 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 I'm about to do? Yep, that's right. Throw a new story up on the on the page here.
1: Oh my God! There's a well, gaming token advertisement.
0: G- Janine, your brain is the ad blocker. Your brain, you just just ignore no. it.
1: I let machines you, you- do that work for me.
0: You literally pointed out yesterday <laughs> that there was a BitConnect ad on one of the pages I showed. I literally didn't even notice it. Like, on no I conscious level whatsoever <laughs> it, did my brain register that at all.
1: Well, it's now as immutable as it can be in the YouTube video archives that you had a BitConnect ad. And that BitConnect is following you around the web.
0: Damn. BitConnect is bad, okay. But um, yeah, Brazil is um, looking to pretty much um, make Bitcoin illegal without really explicitly making it illegal. Um, I I, kind of, forgive me while I stumble through the the workings of a, a country I'm not a citizen in, but one committee is proposing a bill right now that it would effectively criminalize using Bitcoin, accepting Bitcoin, using it as an intermediary in anything or using it as a method of payments or settling obligations. So they're pretty much, um, pretty much by the way I read it, it would be illegal to do absolutely anything with Bitcoin except own it or mine it. And now this is just an initial kind of proposal so far. And I believe this would have to go through two different um, branches of the government and actually be put to um, a vote in in each of them with the ability to kind of still change the bill or or tack things onto it. But like, yeah, this is, um, I don't know. Kind of an odd case to me because we, we've seen before, I think countries like Thailand outright um, made it illegal. Um, my brain might be playing tricks on me, but I believe Vietnam did something similar. But this is like, this is, this is kind of interesting the way that they're not just blanketly declaring it illegal, they're trying to just make it a criminal offense to actually use it for anything except holding. And giving people no real legal way to acquire it, except just being given a gift for absolutely nothing or mining it, by my interpretation of this. And, like, that's, that seems like a very, oh, shit reaction. Like, we know we can't get away with just making it illegal, but we have to, like, we have to stamp it down as, as hard-fisted as we can without just outright declaring it illegal. And with the, uh, the G20 summit coming up in April, like I was uh, mentioning in the last show, and France calling for all the G20 nations to kind of get together and discuss how to handle um, regulating Bitcoin. I can see some countries trying to propose things as draconian as this, because if, if some countries are kind of trying to play this middle ground while stomping it out without actually stomping it out like this radically, i can't imagine that nobody is going to try and propose this at the g20 summit to try and get accomplished on a more international level
2: yeah that a uh, g20 summit's happening like right next door in argentina and um yeah it's just uh i don't know it's one of these things where brazilian politics is not uh <laughs> you know it's not any easier than the politics here in the u.s a lot more complicated it's really. I don't know. I mean, like I was looking into Brazilian politics and saw that like, you know, they're one of their Supreme Court judges right now has got a one and a half million, you know, signed petitioner, you know, a petition to get him off the bench. And I don't know, it's like an early sort of like, seems like maybe one of those things where somebody in the government mentioned something about it. And it's still just like, yeah, it's, it's the first draft of something that it's got a long way to go before it ever gets passed, but it could be just like some virtue signaling going on for the G20 summit. I'm not sure, but <clears throat> right this now, is, banning, banning Bitcoin is so stupid for a country. It's so stupid.
3: Totally. the The thing that I like about this sort of stuff is that if brazil tries to do that now i mean goldman sachs has a relationship with the state department right like that's basically the, the u.s state department is basically runs around and we know this from the WikiLeaks leaks leaks um and they run around and they they make inroads for boeing and all these other companies right and they'll they'll do espionage or or just flat out threaten people um like they did in europe like you're <laughs> we're, we're going to destroy you if you don't accept gmo from us right so um so what's funny is we, you know, it it wouldn't be it wouldn't be unusual if we ended up in a state pretty soon where the state department, on behalf of Goldman Sachs and whoever else is investing in Bitcoin in the U.S., is busting heads in Brazil to get this turned back around. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out uh, on a global scale soon.
1: My uh, my favorite response to the news about uh, Bitcoin possibly being discussed at G20 was. These people can't even get together and have a conversation or organize uh, regarding reversing climate change. How are they going to get together and ban Bitcoin or agree to ban Bitcoin?
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's where it's like the feasibility of it is really just out the window. And like, so it's really like you're really just hurting your country's economic stability for the future when you do that, because you're, you're taking Bitcoin out of your country. That's a problem. I mean, it's a stupid move. So I mean, like it, it. It sounds like it's like a, like I was saying, like a virtue signal of like, yeah, this G20 is coming around the corner here. My buddy from France is coming. He doesn't like Bitcoin. I'll say this: we'll put through this law. It'll never get passed. It'll be something that'll just come and go. But um, yeah, I, if they actually did it, it'd be really stupid.
0: Yeah, I mean, like to. I'm going to try to fumble through um, constructing an analogy on the fly, but kind of the same way that during the the Cold War, you had like the world at large functioning as kind of a a global capitalist system, and you had these little isolated units of uh, communism that tried to actually function internally as a planned economy, but they still had to compete capitalistically with, with the rest of the world. And so you had that, that real, like between a rock and a hard place dynamic where like you know, you're trying to do things, um, like everything's fairly distributed, where we're centrally managing everything internally, but as an inherently less efficient way of organizing and using resources, that put them at a disadvantage globally because externally they were still a capitalistic entity that had to compete in the free market. And Bitcoin in the long term, I think, is going to kind of function in the same way, except kind of somewhat inverse, if you, if you know what I mean, where we, we kind of have this, this backdoor planned economy dynamic going on with the way that central banks manage their currencies and economies right now. And you've kind of got that little isolated spot of, of true. Um, capitalism or, or free market—that's kind of just virally spreading and, and growing. And if if you cut yourself off from that, if if you try to lock yourself in a clean room and don't let yourself be exposed to that 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 viral growth as a country, at the end you're gonna you're gonna be the Soviet Union back in the Cold War, the the inefficient socialist entity that that still has to compete on a market. And is going to inherently be less efficient in your competition because of how you manage yourself internally. And it, it, it will be a fucking disaster for countries that try to go that route because they're not going to stop this.
2: Yeah, I agree. It's that's why it's <laughs> stupid.
0: <laughs> but uh hmm. I guess you wanna you wanna guide me through the screen shares uh, for the the WikiLeaks piece, Do you need
1: oh yes this is a fun one um because i don't know how many people i don't know how fresh the news is anymore because everyone was kind of talking about it last night but yes you heard correctly wikileaks has bred their own crypto kitties and they are now auctioning the auctioning them off uh for money on um well the crypto kitties platform and By consequence the ethereum blockchain Um, first i want to give a little background on why i think they're doing this so a couple of days ago the freedom of the press foundation um, which was actually established one of their goals was or functions was to actually accept um, donations from u.s persons on behalf of wikileaks because as you know there was a banking blockade um, very early on in wikileaks history And actually, that was one of the reasons why WikiLeaks was a very, very early adopter of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. They now accept Bitcoin, Litecoin, Monero, Zcash. I don't think they take Ethereum yet, um, because I think one of the reasons was if they're going to accept an altcoin, uh, it either has to be like Bitcoin or a privacy coin like Monero, Zcash. Um, I don't think they take Ethereum yet. But... Well, now they're taking crypt- crypto keys, which is technically Ethereum. So yes, they're taking Ethereum in the form of digital cats. Um, so the reason that they're, I think they're doing to continue. The reason I think they're doing this is because the Freedom of the Press Foundation recently announced that they will not be taking donations um, on behalf of WikiLeaks anymore, and they claim that that's the reason they're doing that is because they don't think the banking blockade is in effect anymore which i mean i haven't i haven't fully researched all of their arguments about why they think that but i i don't at this point i don't fully accept that that's the case just because i mean wikileaks hasn't gone gotten any less controversial recently so i don't see why banks would be any more willing today to take their donations than they were in 2011 or 2010 but oh well so WikiLeaks has now become very creative in uh their their campaigning for money. And one of those things is crypto kitties. So if you go to the actual page, I think we should actually go to it. Um because the names for the kitties are are very cute. So they started off their first two cats were Mr. and Mrs. WikiLeaks. As you can see, there's an orange cat and a very sick looking um, purple (laughs) spotted creature. Um, My favorite thing about this page, besides the names of the cats, if you scroll down a little bit, there's actually a quote from Julian Assange and he's called the proud cryptographic kitten owner, which I thought was adorable. (laughs) Um, And the quote was, uh, cryptography is not only transforming the global financial system, it is generating creative innovation and a vast array of human interaction. WikiLeaks likes cats, I want to point out they uh the reason he probably says that is because he has his own cat in the embassy the ecuadorian embassy in london called embassy cat who he got as a kitten um as a present from his children uh and is now all grown up to a full-blown cat WikiLeaks likes cats very much and wants to help bring cryptocurrencies and smart contracts into the mainstream. Donors and crypto kitty enthusiasts can empower WikiLeaks by bidding for one of our cute purebred cryptographic kittens. Newcomers will learn about the blockchain, acquire their very first cryptocurrency, and potentially even make a profit. Ooh, be careful with that one, Jillian. You don't want to imply that the kitties are security, right? Um, So if you go down further, we have... Uh, These are the children of the WikiLeaks kitties. We have Trump's tender tabby and Clinton console kitty. Now console is kind of a bit of wordplay because you think it could mean computer console, but it also means console as in consolation, Um, as in very sorry for recent events. (laughs) It's a bit of wordplay. Um, and what's special about <laughs> what's special about these two kitties is that, as you can see, WikiLeaks is planning to gift them. He's they want to gift them to President Trump, Secretary Hillary Clinton. Uh, if you scroll down a little bit, there's a very interesting uh, side note about these. So, um, according to apparently regulations, I actually looked up which regulation that was. If you open um, the next link, Shinobi, where it's the law uh yeah that one so the the regulation oh might have to close the donation um so the regulation they cite um if you scroll up a little bit more it's because i actually can't read most of that legally as i was trying to figure it out earlier but i couldn't um the regulation concerns the receipt and uh disposition of foreign gifts and decorations so it's basically what a uh, person uh, very high up in government has to do when they receive um gifts um on behalf of a foreign country so i'm assuming that means that the crypto kitties are being given as a gift officially from ecuador i assume that that's what they mean or maybe it's kind of a joke because you have all of these intelligence agencies uh saying that wikileaks is a state actor uh, working on behalf of russia so maybe it's a joke it's a gift from russia <laughs> I, I don't know, but anyway. <laughs> an <action> of...
3: <laughs> I think that regulation is about they're... like if you're a, if you're an ambassador or anybody in the government, you're technically supposed to just fill out a form and report if yeah. it. Uh, that yeah, a... I, you were given. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. As I
1: as I said, I didn't I didn't get through all the legalese. I just thought it was really interesting that they cited you know they had a specific citation to um, this law. Uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, so if you go back to the WikiLeaks page um, because I want to show off the crypto kitties because some of their names are funny. Um, so basically, uh, the those two kitties they want to donate them to Trump and Clinton, and apparently they would have to declare them because they're going to be worth thousands of dollars uh, upon being donated. So these are the uh, other offspring that they are not donating to Trump and Clinton. These are the ones they're auctioning. Uh, we have nsa spying kitty we have iraq war kitty we have cia vault 7 kitty syria war uh syria files kitty Cablegate gate kitty and kremlin spying kitty <laughs> tpp kitty and afghan war kitty i'm sure you can see a pattern because most of these things uh are na- most of these cats are named after uh major uh major document uh releases that they've made uh over the over their history, so that's why the names are significant. So uh, if you want to, I uh, I someone on Twitter I think it was Nick Carter uh, said that probably this is the most twenty seventeen ever to be able most twenty seventeen thing ever to be able to buy a, a digital cat based on the Ethereum blockchain that is named uh, NSA spying. <laughs> so uh, if you are interested in supporting WikiLeaks, you can take part in the bidding <laughs> for these cats. Um, <laughs> so I want have fun with.
0: I that. want that TPP kitty so I can donate it to Trump for knocking down the TPP.
2: <laughs> oh man, this this crypto kitty thing. I just like, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like I I didn't really catch it. but I understand it's like people get excited about cats on the internet and you know is this ethereum people get excited about ethereum and so but like now it's just gotten to this point where you got got a clinton crypto kitty you got a trump crypto kitty and and there's they're supposed to be getting like what are they going to do with them that'd be funny just to go ask clinton what are you going to do with your crypto kitty
3: uh well actually uh, I'm just mad that yeah, found a way to make these crypto kitties useful just just make a mockery out of them i mean it's make a mockery out of all the people that are receiving them and the names and everything it's i'm i'm, I'm really annoyed by it all but i gotta give them credit
1: yeah um if you look if you go back to the section where it cites um those regulations uh i described uh they're actually they actually think that because of the uh the declaration or how Trump and Clinton would have to declare them as gifts that they will be um, yes so the oh, go up a little bit Shinobi a little bit okay so yeah right there so under it says Trump's tabby uh, tender tabby will become federal property to be enjoyed by future presidents via custodians at the US National Archives so apparently their plan is to get a crypto kitty into the US National Archives Long oh my Ethereum. god oh
2: <laughs> oh man i like here this is what my crypto kitty thinks oh he yes. is not amused
0: <laughs> oh man he's just sitting there like what you're gonna lock a cat up in a library in a filing cabinet you sick fuck! I'm gonna starve and be stuck in a filing cabinet with my own shit and piss. You're you're a sick son of a bitch, Julian Assange. I think if
3: you saw the picture he's thinking those aren't kitties, those are
0: squirrels. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Ah, so I guess um (laughs) Hi Kitty. I guess the the last thing we have to mention is kind of a little bit of a downer to end on. So uh, sorry folks, but um, apparently uh, Ross Ulbricht's family went to go uh, visit him for the holidays and they and all the other family members of the inmates uh, were pretty much uh, refused entry um, and told the prison was on a lockdown and so ross is going to be spending uh, christmas alone and um you know that's it's never a fun thing to have to deal with especially in the situation he's in right now so i mean uh, i know my thoughts are going out to him guys you know and you know it might it might seem like, like a bit of a lost cause but you know his family is not going to stop fighting this and, and trying to get his situation in his case revisited so it, every penny helps you know, their address is on the twitter account at uh free underscore ross uh twitter
3: and if you're not familiar with that just the whole ross Ulbricht thing the one the one thing i'll mention is that they did uh that when when he was on trial the uh prosecution told the jury that he had basically hired out murder right that he had hired people to be killed Um, He had had contracted out some killings, and the defense wanted to provide evidence that that wasn't true. And the judge said that they were not allowed to provide any evidence that wasn't true because he wasn't being charged with it. So they didn't actually put it on the paperwork to charge him with murder, right, or murder for hire or whatever it is. And because of that, the judge said, well, technically, you're not allowed to respond to the claim by the prosecutor in front of the jury, that you killed people or hired people to be killed because you're not being charged with that particular crime. So that's just one of many miscarriages of justice that that guy suffered. Um, mm-hmm.
0: and, you know, if just look into that story, the, the thing that's really fucked up about that is multiple people had access to the account. So not only was he accused of that, not allowed to speak to his innocence on that matter, but there is very concrete um, evidence that he, he's not the only one who had access to that account Between So the
3: FBI agents that are currently in jail not because they're so untrustworthy that they stole money yeah <laughs> they stole Bitcoin. so
0: yeah how do, you, how do you prove that let alone that that was was legitimately done, but that it was even him who did it because multiple people had access to that account? And the entire thing was just done to pretty much prime the jury into having this picture of him that would inform their decision based on the other charges.
2: Yeah, I don't think there's anything more upsetting than the than the way that trial played out and to see our government, the U.S. government. So just like rule out entire arguments and definitions from the courtroom because it's uh like you know jw saying it's not in the charges and so uh you know you can't bring up these uh words and definitions in the courtroom and it was very upsetting but you know this is why we're in bitcoin really it's like this this justice system is injustice it's not justice and it's it's upsetting i i I wish they would at least let his family come in to see him you know i mean like it's like you've already got him it's like where the hell is he gonna go just let his family in to come see him it's ups yeah. it's really it's, super yeah, kept,
3: every everybody in that prison right everybody that was looking forward to seeing their family they're all finding out very last minute that they can't see him um it, it's totally upsetting but to try to uh to try to have a, a good new spin on it man when bitcoin hit twenty thousand, all of a sudden i really thought man ross could be out in five years right like we could we could see the defunding of this really ridiculous form of slavery where we just incarcerate people for nonviolent crimes which means they're not crimes right? <laughs> victimless crimes which is an oxymoron um and you know if If uh, if Bitcoin adoption happens fast enough, they won't be able to fleece people enough to afford to do this. So, um, you know, I I I definitely didn't see we think we're going to see twenty thousand dollar Bitcoin this year. I don't think we're going to see two hundred thousand dollar Bitcoin next year. I really don't. But that doesn't mean that we won't. And if we do, man, we're just we're getting. I think that's his best hope for freedom, not you know an appeals court anyway or the the Supreme Court. So. Hopefully they can keep keep hanging in there, keep up their spirits, and as they see that price skyrocket, get more and more encouraged.
2: Right on man to
1: continue to continue with the point that you made about um the fact that they ignored or they they prevented the defense from offering evidence that he uh, was not the one who uh, was doing the attempted assassination contracts or whatever they were um they actually i if I remember correctly, they did find uh, there was evidence that it was actually one of the agents who ended up stealing a lot of the bitcoin who was actually behind um those uh those assassination uh plans uh right. yeah. as as a way of dirtying the record and <laughs> I believe uh, I because we did report on it recently about one of those agents uh, getting his uh, prison sentence lengthened, but I do th- I think it was maybe a couple of years. It wasn't a life sentence. Like it's nothing compared to what Ross has to deal with. Hopefully, he doesn't actually have to serve that full sentence. But the idea that you can have a corrupt agent taint someone's record and then have that have that. Be used to dirty the trial, even though he they weren't they didn't even bother to charge him with it, and then there's no way to defend against it. Like that's, record. <laughs> like that that can, yeah. And I uh, like like I pointed out earlier, the uh, Catherine Hahn, the one who joined the Coinbase board, you know, she wasn't involved in Ross's trial. She was involved in Silk Road 2.0, but I'm I'm still to this day I'm extremely upset with her um i mean just i i don't like her f- on a on the basis that she's a federal prosecutor but i even dislike her more because she made b- she was the one who prosecuted one of the agents and she made absolutely no effort whatsoever to get ross's um sentencing overturned on the basis that his trial had been tainted with the actions of this corrupt um agent and that's why you know <laughs> like if she's someone who's welcome at Coinbase, by the way, Coinbase, almost um, because I guess, unfortunately, for a while, um, Ross's mom was actually accepting um, donations. The donation address was actually a Coinbase address. And when she tried to withdraw it um, several months ago, she actually almost lost the money because Coinbase froze her account. Um... And that was actually right i think it was right before or right after this Catherine han federal prosecutor joined the coinbase board it was just such a twisted you know circumstance of events that you have a federal prosecutor who was involved in one of the silk road trials who could have helped ross and then coinbase is screwing with with their money like and if it, on it's on a personal note for me like the first time i ever did uh, or i ever um, helped with a, a live youtube show was actually the um wcn live stream of uh ross's sentencing back in may 2015 um so you know now it's more than two years later and i'm still doing this thing but it's like that's where i had to start with i had i started by um uh it was because chris was on the actual live stream but i was feeding him like media posts and twitter things in the background it just feels so rotten to you know be at christmas time where we're all celebrating the price high even even though it dumped the significant amount, we're we're all still celebrating um, the fact that you know Bitcoin is finally being recognized to some extent and Ross is still in prison. And
2: yeah, it's super upsetting, but I think we can I think JW's right in the sense that we didn't I didn't think we'd get to twenty thousand this year. And that price going up really high to where we can You know, these guys aren't going to be able to control the systems they control anymore because they're not going to be able to move around the value that they're moving around. And I don't know. That's why I've got my head down at this project, because I feel like it's an answer to all these big problems. And, you know, we can throw (laughs) all our fists up in the air at this court and say, you're fucking wrong. They're not going to listen. It's going to take that system change from underneath them before they can, before we can change it. And uh, yeah, I mean, like at least Bitcoin's in a good place and it's going to keep getting better. And I don't think he's going to be in there for life. I just, there's the lifespan of this uh, current construct of our justice system. It doesn't have much life left in it. So I think he's going to make it out.
3: Yeah, and if you want to help, either either donate or uh, learn how to code and help out on a Bitcoin project. I, I couldn't tell you which one's going to be more likely to succeed. I mean, I know I would have a tendency to think that um, that that uh, that just helping Bitcoin along a little further. It's not just going to help Roths, right? But it's going to help all of the. I think there's like a million people right now that are in prison for victimless crimes, uh, and a lot of that is marijuana, and we've already legalized that and so many states that it's just it's just you know it's just absurd at this point um so yeah i mean that's what this is this fight's all about right we're trying to uh we're trying to get rid of this this current version of slavery that that we're all under um and uh and see what the world can be like without it so
2: hang in there ross yeah hang in there bud
1: yeah and i also wanted to um I, I the the name of the director of the documentary escapes me, but there's a really good documentary. If you're not familiar with Ross's story, you you should uh, see that documentary. I can't, unfortunately, I can't remember the name of the director. Um, that would make it easier to find. But uh, for the moment, I can read a quote because apparently uh, Ross was quoted two years ago um because i assume he was asked like whether he regrets his decision this must have been a quote from the trial and he said um i wish i could go back to convince myself to take a different path but i can't do that um and i'm not sh- like there's two ways to read that um i think you know you could interpret at it as you know he can't go back and change the past even though he wants to but you could also interpret it as you know, even if he could go back and change the past, he wouldn't be able to convince himself to choose differently because he knew what he was doing was the right thing, despite the consequences. Alex Winter, yeah, that's... So if you want to watch a really good documentary about um, uh, Ross Albrecht, there's a documentary by uh, Alex Winter, Deep Web. Um, it has some really good quotes from Ross in it.
3: Yeah, totally. Mm. The thing that always gets me the most pissed off when I think about everything that he's gone through and probably because it, it hits close to home for me is that it's because he, he read guys like Rothbard and Mises, right? And he, he started understanding economics and he started understanding that we are living under just a more sophisticated version of slavery. And that's, that's what the judge said to him when she she explained why she was putting him in jail for so long. It wasn't because he had sold drugs or tried to kill people. She was really explicit that it was because he had some really dangerous ideas and she's right. These are very, very dangerous ideas, and uh, they're dangerous to people that want to have power and control and force over others. They're not dangerous for peaceful people. Um, and uh, Bitcoin's, uh, you know, just a manifestation of that—that uh, that long-term effort over 30 plus years of the cypherpunk movement, and it's just picking up steam. So it's it's still a really sad fight, um, especially if you end up in jail before it's over. But. Um, but it's it's headed in the right direction. It kind of and at times a, a frightening clip.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I guess um, I guess you know for our, our last thoughts, I guess uh, you know everybody you know keep Ross in your thoughts. And If you have any spare money, um, you know his family can definitely use the donations to fight the situation he's in. And I guess, um, you know, like I said earlier, we're not going to be doing a, um, a show on Sunday because of the holidays. We'll be back on uh, Tuesday next week, but we do have that discussion with a B cash supporter that should be up in the next day or two and hopefully another Easter egg to drop, uh, maybe as a Christmas present, but I guess, uh, if you guys liked what you saw, you can subscribe and, uh, like, and if not, well, um, Unsubscribe and uh get
2: the heck out of here. Have a Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, everyone.
1: Bye.